Bet Saratoga from anywhere this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. Naira Bets players enjoy world-class HD live streaming covering races worldwide, instant replays, exclusive bonuses, and earn points on every bet. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Join today at nyrabets.com and make sure to use promo code SPA to earn your sign-up bonus up to $200. What's going on, everyone? Wednesday night, Donomite, April 22nd, 2020. I am Don Tony, as always. Ah, we just finished AEW on TNT. We also just finished NXT on the USA Network. Uh, overall, not bad shows. I think they flowed a little bit better than last week. I got to be honest with you, a little bit disappointing Main events on both accounts. Um, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the tournament. Got to talk about Impact Wrestling. A few other things going on. And in a, we'll, we'll wait a few minutes. I, I need to issue a little bit of an apology for what I said, uh, how I went a little bit overboard la- uh, this past Monday with my comments towards Sami Zayn. Now, look. I am in no way, shape, or form going to um, backtrack in what I say. I mean, it's just, you know, this, what I said, I meant. But I definitely let the emotions get to me a little bit too much. And uh, we'll talk about it in a little bit. We'll give everybody a chance to, you know, get situated for everybody live. Um, no, I totally understand. I don't need to apologize, but... You know, um, I just I just think I took it a little bit too far, my honest opinion. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I had a lot of people just really starting shit with me on social media the last 24 hours. And to be honest with you, uh, almost every podcaster out there would not be able to fucking handle that. I know some, you one negative comment, they get all triggered, even though they're supposedly tough guys. But the more and more I thought about it, I'm like, you know... Not for nothing. I mean, I donated to sit one of Sammy's campaigns way back when. And, you know, is he a piece of shit? No. Is he a dirtbag? No. Was he a little bit over the top of what he said? Yes. Um, he shouldn't paint America with such a broad brush. But, um, you know, 
Ben says the old DT would never apologize. Well, I grow up. I try to mature a little bit. I let my emotions get the best of me a little bit too much. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. I definitely want to talk a little bit about, you know, both shows that we saw tonight. Um, my question to everybody out there, you know, during Dynamite, Chris Jericho talked about, you know, we have the WWE Universe. He talked about the AEW Galaxy. You think that'll stick, the AEW Galaxy? You know, maybe because Jericho said it. You know, I, I saw a few people I was chatting with tonight on a page. You know, I noticed a lot of people were sticking to that. I know it sounds a little bit cheesy, but let's be honest. WWE Universe, didn't that sound a little bit cheesy in the beginning as well? So, I don't know. But we did find out, per Jericho, why we have guardrails around ringside. That's not to pr protect the wrestlers from maybe falling on the, the crowd or getting a little bit too close to each other. The guardrails are there so you can drop guys on their yikesies. Their yikesies. I don't even know how to spell yikesies. But I tell you, Jericho on commentary, I know I've said this now, this is probably the third or fourth time I've said it, but Jericho... Once Fozzie is done, once his in-ring career is done, if he wants to pursue himself as a color commentator, you know, look, does he know every single terminology for every fucking move the way that, you know, the, the companies want to portray? No, absolutely not. But he's been in the ring and his emotion just stands out. I, and I brought this up in the past, you know, nothing against Byron Saxton or Tom Phillips. And yeah, they're filler right now because McGinnis wasn't there. Maranala wasn't there. And if you remember what I said, WWE, I said this like a month ago of uh, rotating, you know, every week or two, as far as certain people coming in, um, they're going to stick to that. And, but, you know, those two guys, Saxton and Phillips, and I, and I, I know this is not, we don't talk about Raw Smackdown over here, but. I'll bring it up again. Go back and watch when Drew McIntyre fought Big Show. And Big Show was giving those crazy-ass chops to McIntyre. They didn't even fucking react to it. Jericho, for even a punch. Oh, oh, did you hear that, Tony? You know, it may sound energetic and fun, but there's something else that is so goddamn crucial that Jericho does. Jericho makes the wrestler who performed the move that much more relevant, that much more important. You know, we had Kenny Omega face some guy before. I, I don't remember his name. I got it written down. But, you know, Jericho's commentary made this guy seem a lot better than what he was. And you really look at it. When he first faced him, I thought he was a creeper from the Dark Order. But Jericho, yeah, Greg, you say it perfectly. Greg Bugatti, Bugatti, Bugatti. Um, Jericho's old school and, you know, I don't understand why it is so hard. Now with WWE, people need to understand this. It's a billion dollar company. It is a publicly traded company. There's a certain type of business that has to be done in a format. They're not going to get really gritty and raw with, with their stuff. I mean, you see now with the empty arenas, they're trying to be a little bit creative with the vignettes and sometimes it does very well. And sometimes to me, you know, I always use the saying less is more. Gargano today and his wife, it was a fun promo. 
you know, acting like the conceited, you know, they're not taking shit no more and this and that. But those effects with the cameras, I mean, my God, could you imagine if you were drunk? Seriously, you ever get drunk or you maybe have an extra one or two glasses of wine and your head is spinning a little bit? Or maybe you get the bad, you know, I challenge, you know, what's that challenge that I said earlier on Twitter? You know, somebody in the, in the chat, by the way, what's up, everybody? Everybody tuning in live, much love as always. Um but I, I posted on uh, Twitter earlier today. What's that chat that everybody's doing, you know, where they're just showing themselves regular and then they'll put something up to the camera and they'll go like this. And then when they come back, it, it, you know, like they're totally transformed. Yeah, I, I joked on Twitter earlier. I said, where's the podcaster version of it? I mean, we've seen wrestlers, musicians, athletes, old men, babies, uh, people with disabilities, people with mental retardation. We, we've seen people with every genre. I even think we've seen terrorists. I think a terrorist was just dressed up like he, he was working in like a bodega and then he put the thing and he came back and he's got an Uzi in his hand, you know? The, the all-in challenge, is that what it is? I was joking earlier today. Like, you know, where are all the podcasters doing the all-in challenge? I mean, we're in a day right now where, you know, you, you try to just have fun, be a little bit more laid back, take it easy, you know, maybe not take yourself so seriously. And it's amazing. It seems like wrestling writers and wrestling podcasters are legitimately the biggest pussies in this world. I've seen animals do the all-in challenge. I've seen every scope of the planet do the all-in challenge, but podcasters, nah, nah. That's why, man, you don't show your face and you don't show what you are. You know, what does that say about you? Just across the board. So, oh, so people that are just trying to figure this out. Yes, we are going to do a podcasting version of it very, very soon. A couple of podcasters already got in touch with me and said, yeah, I'll do it. So we just got to get a few more people together. And then we're going to figure out, like, what are we going to pass each other? Do we pass each other? I don't know. I, I don't even know. But, you know, it's got to look the same. Like, everybody's got to have the same thing. You know, you can't just have, like, somebody pass a sneaker and then they pass a boot and they pass this. So we'll have fun with that. But, you know, getting back to what I was saying before with Gargano, you want a different challenge? That's the all-in challenge? Um, how's about we do the vertigo challenge? Get vertigo or have three or four extra glasses of wine and then watch that vignette again with Gargano. When the when the the lens and it's the camera's going like this and all blurry and switching around, I'm serious. If I had fucking vertigo, I literally like the Sandman. I take my fucking TV screen and just bash it over my head. Less is more, WWE. Come on, that's not fucking hard, man. That was annoying. That was annoying. So, by the way, for anybody that's tuning in a little bit late, like I said, and I'm gonna repeat it a couple of times tonight because I want people to be aware of it. Um, I am going to issue a little bit of an apology in a little while uh, towards Sami Zayn um, for some of the things that I said on Monday. Got a little bit too emotional about it. I don't take back things that I say. Um, I speak up. I just took it a little bit too personal, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, before I get into anything, I actually want to do a little bit different today. Uh, we always open up talking about AEW, and we always open up talking about NXT. But you know what? Uh, Impact Wrestling 
had part one of their rebellion event last night. And, you know, I watched the whole thing. And sure, empty arenas, you know, you're not going to get the same effect as the crowds. But I got to be honest with you. And trust me, it's not because there's very few options out there right now. You know, sometimes you could compare it to being in a nightclub. And I talked about this when I met went my ex back in the 90s. I was in a nightclub in Middle Village, um, the Harbor Club. Anybody could Google it and see. I'm not making it up. I was in the Harbor Club. And it was like 2.15 in the morning. And me, you know, hanging out, I never really danced, but, you know, hanging out, having a couple of drinks, relaxed, and like, you know, I want to leave with somebody. I'm looking around the fucking club. It's 2.15 in the morning, and the only things that are around was somebody that, you know, looked like, who's that reality show with that fucking big, ugly woman? You know, she's like this. I, I can't remember. She's like a hillbilly. You know, you got that, and you got like two So, you know, after, maybe at 10 o'clock at night, you see someone like that, you're like, oh, get the fuck away from me. But when it's 2.15 in the morning and there ain't no other chicks around, you look at her and you're like, you know, you think she'll recognize me next week if I like, you know, fool around with her and then I just like ignore her. You know, that's what wrestling is right now. You know, before COVID, you know, it was like walking into a club at 10 o'clock at night. You know, you got so much variety. Everybody's, yeah. And then now it's like 2.30 in the morning where you're looking around and there's nothing. There's nothing. So Impact Wrestling yesterday, I really watched it with open eyes this time and not just view it like, okay, there's not too much variety right now. But they did a damn good job under the circumstances. And I got to give major props to Impact Wrestling and Michael Elgin, and Josh Matthews, because he conducted the interview. But, you know, in this, you know, world we're in right now with coronavirus and COVID-19, like I said, WWE's got this obsession, the Felix Unger obsession. Wash your hands, wash your hands. Like, like, like if I don't cough in my, I could cough in my mother's face. I could sneeze in my mother's face. I could spit in my mother's face. Uh, but, you know, as long as I wash my hands. I mean, I don't know what their obsession is that they cannot fucking name, you know, the enemy. You know, it just, I don't know what the fuck it is. Um, AEW makes comedy about it, but it, but what AEW does right is AEW doesn't avoid the topic. AEW interprets it that everybody knows what's going on. So we'll just, you know, satire it a little bit. Um, even Guevara today, when Guevara was good seeing the people at ringside, he's doing, you know, the, what was this, the, uh, the, the, the bicep, you know, just going like this, you know, giving, doing the bumps, but WWE is petrified and you could see it. They are the biggest role models. You know, you got pink fucking ring ropes. You got, you know, little kids that they're doing tributes for, they're doing drives, but this Wash your hands. Yeah, if everybody just wash your hands, there'd be no fucking virus. Impact Wrestling did not dodge it yesterday. Impact Wrestling did an interview with Michael Elgin. He explained why he really wanted to be there but couldn't because of what's going on with COVID. Um, Tessa Blanchard, you know, is unable to compete right now either. Um, and they were just very outright, and they added that realism, that human element to it. And I got to give them props for it. I really do. Um, oh, by the way, a few people were noticing. 
I didn't have chance today to really like throw on wrestling shirts and stuff. And I know what a lot of you guys say, oh, how long does it take to just put on a shirt? I, I no bullshit. I got up this morning at six o'clock and you know, right away I look at my phone. I see all these alerts from all the Sami Zayn fans that are just angry with me. So if you go on my Twitter, you'll see at six o'clock in the morning, I'm answering people back. And you know, that then I started really thinking, you know, dark room, nothing on. I like, you know, I think I went a little overboard. You know, I can handle the bullshit, but um, so that was it. Six o'clock in the morning. I went to my office at eight o'clock. I worked there until about two. Then I did grocery deliveries until about six. And then by the time I got home and everything it was almost seven o'clock. So by the time I ate dinner and washed up and got ready, it was literally 10 to, 10 to eight. So, you know, I was like, fuck it. I'll just keep the shirt on and do the show the way it is. <laughs> Benjamin saying Sammy's fans went, in. oh my God. You know, look, I totally respect anybody out there that defends what he said, you know, but you get people that just troll. I mean, there's an obvious difference. And it was amazing to see all of the websites and all of the podcasters that were livid towards Sammy. And when they saw the kind of lashback that I was receiving, they all ran with their tails between their legs. I'm not saying to stick up for me. I can handle myself. But everybody became fucking silent about it. And, and that's the difference. Seriously, I'm not trying to be an asshole right now, but that's one of the differences between yours truly and almost all of the other podcasters out there. At the end of the day, they're concerned about likes. They're concerned about popularity. They're concerned about feeling wanted. They're concerned about, you know, and look, not everybody's like that. You know, I, I almost wrote this, this this morning, but I said, you know, I don't even want to put his name in there because I don't want anybody to start tweeting him bullshit. But JD from New York probably gets the biggest bullshit from people out there like, like no end. At the end of the day, he just wants, you know, the promotions to be, you know, top-notch entertainment and he shits on it and he doesn't hold back from saying it but you see in the last 24 to 36 hours everybody skates you know walks the, the fine line you know suddenly disappears from social media for hours and hours and hours at the time you know yeah they were working sure sure but um you know me i i like i said i stand up for america and the funny thing is and I'll, I'll say this, we'll talk about that a little bit more later. I want to get back to wrestling. But um, the most amazing thing about the last 36 hours, 48 hours, is major almost everybody, almost everybody that got pissed off at me never watched the video rant that I made online over here. They were angry because I blocked Sami Zayn on Twitter and I called him a dirtbag. That's what got them the angriest, not even the video. And it, it, again, it just blows me away. You know, you really see the lack of backbone in some people out there. You know, I, I, I've always said for people that are upcoming podcasters that ask, you know, for advice once in a while, I said, be yourself, stand true to what you believe in. And even if it's not popular, you know, I get a lot of people to this day that'll say to me, look, I don't agree with a lot of what you say, but I totally respect that, you know, you stick up, stand up for what you say. And I swear to you, when I apologize later, I'm not apologizing for what I said, but I'm going to explain a little bit in detail why I said what I said. 
And I think I was a little overboard with Sammy as well because he does do a lot of good in this world. But um, anyway, and trust me, I also got a little bit of research about Syria and Bashar al-Assad, and <laughs> I'm prepared, everybody. So take my slug of my Pellegrino water. So yesterday, Impact Rebellion, we had Tommy Dreamer, Rhino, and their mystery opponent, Crazy Steve. It's nice to see him back. I don't know if it's a one-time deal. In this era, you know, they fucking put 95-year-old Mike Jackson on there, walking the whole entire ropes, which I've already criticized and shitted on. God bless him. If my grandfather was a legendary wrestler and he was 70 or 75 years old and he showed up at like a promotion that I liked or I worked in and he's like, let me show them how to do it. And he climbs the rope, all right? You, you want to walk one, and I brought this up on Friday. You walk one rope, fine. You know, as you watch what Mike Jackson is doing, look at what Johnny Swinger is doing. Johnny Swinger like a goof. I can't do that too much because I kind of like hurt my shoulder a little bit Friday when I was doing that. But, you know, this guy's walking the ropes for like two minutes. I mean, you literally could have like walked outside, threw out the garbage, checked the mail, come back in, sanitize your hands, sit back down, and he's still walking the fucking ropes. Walk the first rope, jump off, and do the Undertaker punch. Then, you know, the swinger goes down. Then you climb the rope again, walk the second rope, jump off, hit swinger. He's now even a little bit more weak. Climb the fucking rope again. I mean, maybe they were worried that this guy was going to catch a heart attack, but, you know, that, that's just dopey suspension and disbelief. But, you know, in this era, you're going to see some people, yo, man, I need money. I got to buy some groceries, you know? So crazy Steve shows up. The fuck cares? Seriously. Good guy. You know, talented. But, you know, it just it, put it this way. I had no problem with him appearing. But teaming up with Tommy Dreamer and Rhino, it just, I don't know, man. I, I would have been happier with Sabu or someone else. You know, you got a little bit of nostalgia, whatever. But they beat OVE. Uh, the Rascals, Acer Romero and Larry D. Um, they beat TJP and Falaba. Willie Mack, I think that's his first... Impact Wrestling Championship. I could be wrong with that, but he beat Ace Austin to win the X Division title. That was my highlight of the night. You know, Sammy Callahan, you know, turning on his guys. You know, it, it was what it was. But, you know, I just... Ken Shamrock, God bless him, what is he, 56 years old? But, you know, I just feel like Shamrock maybe needs to help elevate some people. Um, Sammy Callahan, in my opinion, should have got that win yesterday. I know referee stoppage, you know, you, you kind of feel like, well, you didn't really give up. You know, this ain't Austin WrestleMania 13. You know, Sammy Callahan, you know, to close it out with Ken Shamrock was fine. Uh, Kylie Ray versus Kira Hogan was also very good. Kylie Ray is is a star in the making. She still has a little ways to go, but she is definitely a star in the making. So next week, if you want to go check it out, you got Havoc versus Rosemary. Uh, it's a full Metal Mayhem match. Chris Bay versus Suicide versus Trey versus Rohit Raju. Uh, and Joey Ryan versus Cousin Jake. Not too strong. We may get, you know, another match or two, I, I expect. Uh, one last thing. And Anthony, I, I see your comment about Sammy. I will definitely bring it up in a little bit. I want to just finish up this. 
Um, we'll talk about AEW NXT, and then we'll we'll mix in a little Sami Zayn, and then go back to it. But uh, you know, take notice, everybody. Seriously, take notice. Remember all those websites and podcasters that were ejaculating about NWA, and just that. Uh, I mean, I know it's not a gigantic storyline, but the storyline with Camille since 2018. When she first was was in Nick Aldis's corner, she don't speak. People wonder, you know, she's got that huge presence about herself. Could she be the next China? China, China. Could she, not that China, but um, you know, they they put yesterday, you know, her match, which you know wasn't anything great. Maddie Max, you know, was what it was, but they did to me one of the best female promo packages of the year of the year they did this whole interview segment with camille and she's talking about her upbringing and she's talking about how she wasn't accepted and she was great in softball and talked about wrestling and it was wonderful i mean they really like let camille out and just really opened the floodgates and i saw virtually nobody talking about it and I'm like, my God, I mean, where are the, you know, these diverse, you know, it was just as funny today. You know, it was just as funny. Seriously, everybody, I got, I have to mention this early on, you know, we get El Hijo del Fantasma. He makes his NXT debut today. Um, not a bad performance, you know, almost got kidnapped, but I absolutely loved uh, all of the websites and all the podcasters who claimed that they watched Lucha Underground every fucking week, every fucking year, every fucking season. Meanwhile, they had no idea that El Hijo del Fantasmo is King Cuerno from Lucha Underground. I mean, seriously. Remember when I talked about Lars? When Lars first made it to the main roster and everybody who claimed to watch NXT every week had no idea what his arsenal was. Then we had Deanna Perrazzo. I think it was Deanna Perrazzo with others. I mean, I wanted to see, like tonight I was really curious to see how the net handled Drake Maverick's match after what happened with the release. And what's really cool is that promo that Drake Maverick did when he was, you know, outside and talking about that, I think that was the same area and the same time where he did that you-know-what video for you-know-who, you know. So I thought that was pretty cool today. But um, I was very curious to see how the internet was going to react tonight about Drake Maverick, about Jake Atlas, about Phantasmo, even about the Dustin Rhodes storyline. You know, look... Did I think that there was any chance whatsoever on a non-pay-per-view, non-crowd event that Dustin Rhodes was retiring right now? I mean, look, there are some retirement stipulations that some, you really are wondering sometimes if this person's going to pack it up. You know, God bless Tony Khan. Tony Khan... Oh, by the way, uh, Maximum Alex, ALX, and he actually admits that he never saw Lucha Underground. King Cuerno it was one of the most talented stars in Lucha Underground. 
And it, it bothers me because King Cuerno was featured on tons of pro- pro- posters for Lucha Underground, advertisements, commercials for Lucha Underground. This isn't a fucking, you know, um, you know, El, El Nobody, El, 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 uh, El Hio Del Nobody, you know, wrestling on TV. This was one of Lucha Underground's premier top fucking stars. Look at the mask today. The mask was almost identical with what he wrestled in in Lucha Underground. You know, he just had some variation of colors. Same fucking curly hair, same everything. And it blows me away to see well-established websites, journalists, because those are the ones I pay attention to. Because over the years, I get to learn and get to see who's actually legit and who just bullshits and talks out of their mouth just to get tweet-fucked on social media. And usually they're the ones that end up revealing themselves. And again, they did it with Lars, they did it with others, and they did it tonight with El Hio del Fantasmo. I mean, that's just piss-poor pathetic, in my opinion. Um... And thank you very much, Dalvin Brown. I, I really appreciate what you, what you said, my brother. Um, you know, I look. I, sometimes I I talk and it pisses people off, in case people haven't found that out already. But I just try to keep everything real and just be straight out with you. You know, it it may not be the most popular thing out there to say. But, you know, at least you know what comes out of my mouth is honesty. You know, I may regret some things later on and, you know, I may want to take it back. But Dalvin Brown and everybody else, I really do appreciate it. You know, I think being honest, even if it's unpopular, will always win out because, you know, like I've said many times before, I'm not a good liar. And if I lie, you know, I'm always worried that I'm going to get caught in it. My father told me when I was a little kid, don't lie. Because when you lie, you got to lie on top of lie on top of lie on top of lie on top of lie. And, you know, it's, I just, I stay away from it. It's not worth it. But, um, but again, you know, today, I mean, Elio Fantasmo is, to me, he's going to leapfrog Kushida like this. Kushida I like. But him versus Jack Gallagher today, kind of like, I couldn't get into it all that much. Um, And I know we're going back and forth a little bit here and there, but that's what I do. You know, we try to, like, keep different topics fresh. But I'll tell everybody right now, before we go any further, Drake Maverick losing today. Um, If WWE, and I used this phrase earlier, I hope to God WWE has not buyer's remorse, but seller's remorse. I don't think WWE in their wildest dreams ever thought that Drake Maverick was going to get the type of love and appreciation online. Sure, crying, you know, emphasizes that as well. I mean, it really got to me too. Um, You saw what I wrote on social media and he even liked it. But, um, you know, but that's from the heart. And I think WWE sees that the reaction on social media was really, really from the heart. And let me tell you something. I'm not trying to overhype this. But I I honestly think if WWE is deciding to keep Drake Maverick, this may end up being, could be one of the biggest storylines of the year. It'll never be on the level of Daniel Bryan. But what I mean by that is this. You know, I'm not, and I'm not talking about when Daniel Bryan got fired for choking Justin Roberts and there was the internet backlash. There was definitely a backlash at that time. I remember it clearly. I covered it. But when Daniel Bryan, when fans really got behind him with the Yes Movement, they wanted him to be champion. You know, there was this natural 
love and vibe online that WWE re realized, like, you know, we got to go with this. And I'm hoping that, it, you know, Johnny Z, the storyline is not disgraceful. And I, look, I'm an opinion show for the most part. I Of course, I report news too, but I'm an opinion show. I'm just giving you my opinion. But I'm telling you, there is no way, shape, or form that WWE released Drake Maverick and said to him, we're releasing you. We're releasing you. But we're released. Wink, wink. No, it wasn't like that. You had television stations across the United States playing the video of Drake Maverick. Not ESPN, not fucking WWE on Fox. You know, I know when Drake Maverick was on the bump today, but he got so much attention. And this is something else that nobody is, I think, realized as well. The number of people that are following Drake Maverick now on social media compared to a week ago, I don't want to call it mind-boggling, but it's it's huge. And I think WWE realized in the case of Drake Maverick, you know, maybe we made a mistake. You know, WWE is not hemorrhaging money where they can go out of business tomorrow. They can make room. And I understand what everybody's going to say. Well, if you can make room for Drake Maverick, why can't you make room for this person or make room for this person? Because you have to downsize. You're in a pandemic. You're an entertainment company that makes a huge amount of money by performing in front of live crowds. You're not doing live crowds right now. You're not even doing shows every single week. So you have to downsize the number of people who are on your roster. It sucks, but that's happening across the globe in all different forms of business. It just so happens that WWE is the one that we all watch. And you know that there's a lot of very good people that will let go. But that's just, that's what happens in this environment. You know, again, you know, no disrespect to others out there, but I, I don't, take advice from people that don't even have a paper route, you know, that they, the only, the only employment they have technically is, I don't know. I don't even know they, they you don't see anything. Um, so I honestly believe, I honestly believe that once WWE realized the level of love and appreciation towards Drake Maverick, you know, again, they're not going out of business and they're not hemorrhaging money. So to keep, to have seller's remorse and to think, look, maybe we can turn this into a storyline and maybe we can keep him. If you are truly a fan of Drake Maverick, even if this turns into a story, which it has, he could still be gone after the three matches. We don't know. But if they do decide to keep him, if you are a true Drake Maverick fan, you should be happy that he is back on the roster. You know, sometimes people get released. Drew McIntyre is a great example of it. And it lights such a fire under their ass that they totally recreate themselves, reinvent themselves, tr just really push themselves to a whole new level. And Drew McIntyre is now the WWE champion. But the thing is, is some people will, you know, the, anybody could do a video online right now. It's your overall character in ring, everything else. But with Drake Maverick, even if Drake Maverick ends up staying, even if he won the Cruiserweight title, and then when he got on the microphone, told all the fans watching at home that they all got suckered 
and he wasn't released, and everybody bought it, and it was crocodile tears and everything like that, and he did the a biggest swerve towards everybody. Because deep down inside, I know that he was legit released, and they decided to turn it into a storyline because it is fucking entertainment. That's what you are watching, and it's an entertainment company. I would be totally fine with it. Maybe some people would think it's a little in poor taste, but my God, you know, this is a guy you can see what's going on online. You know, sure, there's other people that you like too that got released, but unfortunately, you know, TV shows get canceled. People, you know, get released. It's just, it's, that's what business is. You know, you can't just be PC and to avoid social media lashback, oh, we can't let this person go. Could you imagine all the negative tweets we would get? No, you, you have to, sometimes it's horrible business decisions. So Drake Maverick, now with that said, Drake Maverick losing today was the right way to go. It was the right way to go. Because number one right now, we don't know if he's staying. If he's staying, he may should may even go 0-2. And, and then, you know, win the last one. The problem is, if you look at the rules of the tournament, if he goes one and two of his three matches, then everybody else has to do it as well. So he's got to still face Kushida, and he's still got to face... Um, what the hell is his name? I'm, I'm, drawing, I'm drawing a blank right now. Uh, oh, my God. I, and I watched his match earlier today. I got it right here. I got it right here. Tony Nice. So he's still got to face those two. So, you know, the storyline, it's going to be rushed, obviously, because there's only three matches. You know, there's going to be a turning point. If you lose two, you know, what are the chances that everybody else is get? you know, they're in block A. So if you lose two matches, you're done. If you just figure it out mathematically, if you lose two of your three matches, um, it's almost impossible that every single person could be one and two. I don't even know if that's mathematically possible. So um, we'll see what happens. But right now, you know, to, um, Drake Maverick is, you know, the underdog. And we'll see where it goes. But um, it's interesting. It's interesting. I don't recall too many times ever that WWE let somebody go but still let them wrestle a couple of matches. You know, some people, now let's also remember this. This is something that a lot of people seem to forget about the 80s and the 90s. Some people who were leaving the company would, at the end of their run, start doing jobs. I mean, remember, I think a lot of people forget this. Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, maybe two extreme examples of it, but WWF knew that they were leaving. They didn't just suddenly just quit and walked out. They actually finished up their their contracts and then they left. So, you know, for everybody out there that thinks that this situation with Drake Maverick is unique, it's unique in the sense that he was fired and he did social media video and he won the hearts of a lot of people that didn't pay very close attention to him before. And now WWE's having second thoughts. And another major difference is Drake Maverick had not uh, non-renewed and agreed that he was going somewhere else. So you have. Now, as far as Kyrie Sane, someone, Johnny's bringing up Kyrie Sane, for example. If Kyrie Sane is on a way out, which I'm a little concerned about, I don't think Kyrie Sane is aware right now that she's leaving. I don't know. I mean, there's no, you know, word 
of that happening. But remember what I talked about on Monday. A lot of people don't even do that little intricate research that I do. There's still a lot of shows out there that never even researched Connecticut's rules. Wondering how the hell did WWE get away with doing what they were doing? Never questioned Connecticut or WWE got a special waiver. Um, but Kyrie Sane may have a hard time getting back to Japan right now. She probably would have to get special approval because there's a travel ban right now. Everybody thinks the travel ban is coming into the United States. No, there's a travel ban. Japan will not allow people in the United States to come back in Jap from Japan under very special circumstances. And I don't know if Kyrie Sane would actually get that approval. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But anyway, so once again, um, if you truly are a fan of NWA's return, go out of your way and watch the video package of Camille. It's really, really good. The only, if I'm going to nitpick right now and criticize anything, the only thing that got a little annoying to me is that when Camille was talking about, you know, her upbringing, her life, and how people didn't like her and this and that, she did this one thing a few too many times where you're like, you know, a lot of people just really hated me growing up, but <laughs> I showed them that laugh. Like, you know... You know, my my fiance said that my cooking, my I don't know how to cook. <laughs> but that that laugh, that little chuckle at the, she did it like five times and I'm like, you know, all right. Once, twice, you know, but it, but I love the segment, seriously. And it and it really amazed me that nobody some people were talking about it, but almost nobody was. Seriously, I mean, my God, if you're such a disgruntled wrestling fan right now and absolutely can't stand WWE or AEW, whatever it is, you know, you had other options and the the extension of Camille's character and finally getting to hear her speak. I mean, you know, there's videos online where you could have heard her speak before she went, showed up in NWA. But as far as the storyline goes, you know, it just went to a whole new direction. So Jonathan Flores has nothing to do with if she's super green. If you're an NWA fan, that was a pretty substantial storyline. You want to see it progress. So anyway, uh, MLW, I got a kick out of this, man. Nothing against them, but they issued this press release. And if you do a little research, you know, it gives you a little laugh as well. They announced this TV deal with the NBC. Now, yeah, some people immediately thought that it was, you know, NBC. You know, what you see on regular TV, NBC. No, it's MBC. The uh, Mauritius, I think it is, Mauritius Broadcasting Corporation. Now, the funny thing about it, I invite anybody to go see for yourself. You know how you could pull like two different, you know, websites on your computer at the same time? You have two different pages side by side. I want you to go on Wiki and look up the Mauritius Broadcasting Corporation, the MBC. Then I want you to go on PW Insider and go on some of these goof websites and look at what they wrote. They almost co copied the words almost identically, but there was one very important sentence that they left out. They left out of their press release. All the press releases you saw on wrestling websites said that it was a national network. 
The funny thing is, is they never bothered to tell you where it's located or all they said was that it's featured in 12 different languages. Just so you know, the Mauritius Broadcasting Corporation is from, is the public broadcast, I'm reading it now from, from Wiki, from the Republic of Mauritius, that's the islands of Mauritius, Rodriguez, and uh, Apalega. This is like uh, Africa. I, I'm not kidding you. And when you start looking at the audience, it's like less than a million people that have access to it. And you go on the website, and there's no press release on the network itself. And they left out everything of where it is. They gave you this impression that it's a national audience. Fuck you talking about? We don't have MBC here in my neck of the woods. I could be wrong. I mean, just but just go look. It's pretty funny, man, when you go see. If you look at the pages side by side, you know, it's pretty funny that they left certain sentences out because they wanted you to think that it was a huge fucking deal. It was a joke. It was an absolute joke. Uh, Cody, earlier today, did a little question and answer thing. Um, I saw some of the highlights. I don't recall if anybody had the balls to try to confront him for liking that tweet where somebody told Sami Zayn to go back to Canada and then Cody, like, backtracked, said, oh, my bad. I thought he was just joking around. And a lot of people were, wanted to know my opinions on that. My honest opinion, I'll tell you right now, I don't think it was anything malicious meant on Cody's side. And I give my share of criticism to Cody. But I don't think that it was ever interpreted that, you know, this was a whole serious thing. I think Cody was just going along with everything and then realized, wait, this is about, you know, like politics and Trump and this, this and that. So, um, and I don't even remember who it was. I think it was David Starr who actually wrote online that uh, Cody is definitely not MAGA. So I didn't think it was that much of it, but my God, you had to see some people that were calling for Cody Rhodes' head for liking the tweet. It's, it's almost as bad as the people who watched the Benoit dark side of the ring and actually were more angry at Kevin Sullivan than Chris Benoit. Seriously. I mean, I know it's a bad comparison, but if you really stop and think about it, they're angrier about Cody liking a tweet saying, look, if you're not happy with America, go back to fucking Canada, you know? And the funny thing is, even when I did my rant on Monday, I never made it about a Canada versus USA thing, never made it about Republicans or Democrats, didn't make it about race or anything else. It was just, you know, the guy's been working in America for 15 years, took a paycheck, and, you know, has this disdain. And it seems that Trump, you know, gets, you know, is like the, the that like opens up the, um, the scars. And you reveal, I mean, but anyway, we'll talk about that later on. But um, so... One of the things that Cody did talk about that got a little bit of a buzz. Well, two things. One had to do with the video game. Remember the video game? Nick Jackson, God bless him. Mac Jackson, God bless him. Every And I brought this up before. This is not a knock on them. It's a new business. They got to, you know, try to make everybody happy. And last year, oh, do you think this is going to happen? Well, you know, yeah, we'd love, you know, we really, our goal is everybody to have health care. I already explained why that's a fucking impossible. Last year, oh, video game. 
And Matt Jackson said last year that there's already talk of possibly a video game in production. And I remember when that came out last year, and I'm like everybody, they're just breaking their cherry now as a promotion. A fucking video game? What do you have, nine people in a video? Uh, are some of the, you know, like the hidden characters, like the wives of the wrestlers who aren't even wrestlers, who sell fucking the clothes and merchandise? And uh, seriously, what, what roster? Let them build a roster. Let them build a foundation you get the people that you like, the people that you think are going to be future stars of tomorrow. I mean, six, seven months ago, a lot of us were like, come on, man, Guevara is nowhere near being ready. Oh, look at Allen. Allen's fucking reckless. He's crazy. Look how much that's changed in six or seven months. But it's pretty funny to see, you know, last year, oh, yeah, we were talking about, you know, producing a game. That's the equivalent of these guys hanging out, just finished shooting a be, be in the Elite video. And they're looking at down in their phone and there's like an advertisement for a video game and one of them going, you know, you know, what do you think? You think AEW can have a video game? Sure we can. What the fuck does that mean? They didn't talk to any video game companies yet. There's no foundation, but because last year, oh yeah, we there's been talk about a video game and people fucking ran with it. Well, Cody today, people are like, hey man, what's going on with the video game? And Cody's like, look, I'm not going to lie to anybody out there. When the game, when it's be, in, you know, it's really being pursued, and when we get to that point, everybody will know about it. So basically, all the things that pe people wanted rainbows, and I don't mean rainbows as a game. I'm just talking about, you know, after a horrible rainfall, you look outside and there's a beautiful rainbow. Uh, they wanted everything like bunnies jumping around and flowers and everybody's happy and gay and, you know, nobody could. That's what people envision it. And every time a question like that was asked last year, especially at the beginning of AEW. Oh, yeah, we could see that. Oh, that's a possibility. Hey, I heard it's sunny in California. <laughs> Some people really. But I will poke fun at this. Cody got asked a question today, and I got to give a credit to whoever came up with this graphic. All right, here, there you go. Oh, shit, I just, I just accidentally deleted it. All right, let me pull this back up. Uh, Cody, Cody, where are you, Cody? Oh, yeah, here we go. Cody was asked who he feels is the Mount Rushmore of pro wrestling. Now, everybody that's tuning in, live or in a download, replay. You think of Mount Rushmore of rappers. You think of Mount Rushmore of presidents. You think of Mount Rushmore of musicians. You think of Mount Rushmore of anything. You're talking about the pioneers. Is that easy? Pretty much to say the pioneers, the ones who are looked back at is like the, the greatest baseball. You look at the Mount Rushmore of baseball. So they asked him, who's the Mount Rushmore of wrestling? And Cody pretty much does what a lot of people in AEW have been doing for over a year now. He comes this close of answering it, but he leaves part of the sentence unfinished so he doesn't get that heat or criticism or anything like that and again try to give everybody rainbows cake and ice cream everybody hopping and dancing barefoot in the, in the grass and you don't have to worry about stepping on a piece of glass or poop or anything like that his answer to the mount rushmore of pro wrestlers is 
And let's make this a little bigger for everybody. Let's make this a little bigger. All right. The Mount Rushmore Pro Wrestlers. There you go. All right. His answers are Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, The Rock. And let's leave the fourth one out because we need to make new stars. And he fucking got away with it. That's not how you do a fucking Mount Rushmore. Does he even know what? You know what the problem is? Everybody that's doing a Q&A is so in awe that they're in front of Cody Caesar through a computer screen. Oh, my God. He actually is answering my question. Ejaculate. You don't, a new star, a new star wouldn't be on the Mount Rushmore. So, yeah, that was his answer. So he came this close of giving the four, but he leaves an incomplete answer. So, oh, you know, that's so nice. We're going to commit. Fuck out of here, man. I, I I agree with you, man. Mount Rushmore questions, I don't like them at all. I, you know, I, I, did, I have done them. I've done a lot of Mount Rushmore questions, especially on Patreon of, you know, like I've done it with ECW. I've done it with other feds. Um, it's a fun debate and a fun conversation. You know, the problem is, is you can't be overly broad with it. Now, even with that, you look at the, the Mount Rushmore and, you know, when wrestling's around for a hundred years and you got so many promotions around, it's very hard to, na- you know, to narrow it down to four. I like doing like the Mount Rushmore of this generation or the Mount Rushmore from, you know, the last generation or, you know, ECW or whatever it is. But, uh, yeah, even the Mount Rushmore of jobbers, you know, that's not a bad one. But, you know, if, you, if you're not going to, that's just playing politics with his question. But, yeah, that was his Mount Rushmore. Flair, Hogan, Rock, and we'll leave the fourth one out. I hate when people do that, man. Seriously, I fucking hate it. So, AEW tonight, we had the continuation of the TNT tournament. Anybody that follows me on a weekly basis, you know my original predictions. But in case anybody out there forgot, or if there's some haters tuning in that just don't like when yours truly is right, this was my original predictions. I said that Cody would defeat Sean Spears, Darby Allen would could defeat Guevara, we would have Dustin Rhodes defeat Kip Sabian, Lance Archer defeating Colt Cabana, and I even added a little sprinkle to it that maybe after Lance Archer beats Dustin Rhodes, Lance Archer beats the balls off of Dustin. Almost like Rocky when, when fucking Mr. T just beat the fuck. Oh no, when uh, Ivan Drago killed Apollo Creed and he looked at Balboa. With, I mean, that's what Archer should do to Dustin Rhodes. He should literally be Ivan be Drago and almost killed Dustin Rhodes. And meanwhile, Cody advances to the finals and Archer just looks at Cody. Because if you remember, I said, remember the seeds that were planted with Cody and Darby uh, Darby Allen? You know, remember, you know, a while back, Darby Allen wanted to face him and then Darby Allen gave him a cheap shot a couple of weeks ago. So that's where I saw this going. And Dustin Rhodes, and again, nothing against Kip Sabian. And this is why, as of right now, I'm unsure. Towards the end of the show, I will make sure to give my predictions. I forgot last week, even though I said wouldn't surprise me if NXT wins for a second week in a row, and they did. Um, 
Dustin Rhodes versus Kip Sabian as like a teaser retirement match to close out AEW, I thought was ridiculously stupid, in my honest opinion. I remember the Ric Flair storyline when Vince told him the first match you lose, you're retired. He had like a ton of matches, and he faced maybe not the, the biggest talent. But it would happen during like after hour one. Or it, very rare did it close out raw unless it was a big top-notch opponent. To, for anybody to think that Dustin Rhodes, like I said to open up, was going to actually retire against Kip Sabian in an empty fucking arena in the middle of COVID on a non-pay-per-view is one of the most asinine moronic thoughts I think anybody would have. So I don't know what the hell AEW thought. Did they think that wrestling fans in droves were going to be glued to the TV to see, oh my God, we might be watching Dustin's final fucking match? I just thought that was a big mistake on AEW's part. The match was fine. It was good. But there was no vibe whatsoever that Dustin could possibly lose and be retiring from this. And to focus on that and to close out with that tonight, now on the NXT side, um, the swerve with Finn Balor really pissed me off because I know a lot of people were looking forward to seeing Finn Balor versus Velveteen Dream today. I will give WWE credit that five minutes before NXT started, they did that thing where Finn Balor's, his, his clothes were thrown around. Just think about that for a minute. Because someone's clothes are thrown everywhere, we assume that the person is attacked and dead. You know, not dead, but you see what... I mean, you couldn't have at least have him laid out. Or so. It was just, to me, I, I thought that was a little bit pretty pathetic. But uh, again, we're in, in the middle of a pandemic. It's empty arenas, pre-taped stuff. Even some of the commentary with Shivani and Jericho is recorded later on. They're not live. You know, sometimes when Jericho is extremely spot on, see, Tony, I told you, just because they're watching the match first. You're getting the thoughts in the head of what they're going to say, and then they go back, and then they do the commentary for the match. That's why it fits so perfectly, and that's the right way to do it. But, you know, for anybody that thinks that they just happen to be there when the match is going in process, so it's sometimes a little too spot on. But, um, so I'm going to enjoy whatever I can get. But, but again, I have the right to still criticize something when warranted. And especially WrestleMania. They were charging regular price to everybody out there, especially people that didn't have the network. So pandemic or not. You're charging me full price for something, and it sucks. What am I supposed to say? Well, you know, but, but it's a pandemic. I don't think so. So anyway, let's talk a little bit about AEW and NXT today. Um, by the way, the flim flam with the bubbly bunch, I mean, this is where, you know, having these pre-recorded shows really get fun. And AEW has been hitting that out of the park because it's not a 10-minute video. It's two, three minutes. It's comedy fodder. It's funny shit. It's, these are heels. 
and it's some of the most entertaining skits out there. It's it's okay. It's okay to be a heel, but to be funny and charismatic. I mean, you go back in the day, we had wrestlers like that too. But I love the creativity. And what's beautiful about it is you don't have any crazy production value. You got Guevara sitting in his fucking bedroom. What production do you need with that? Gargano sitting in his dining room. And again, the vertigo challenge, you know, with the video. And this is a, have to make everything look so, you know, just sometimes just put the fucking iPhone down, record the footage. I mean, sometimes less is more. And what I also really am enjoying now, well, two things. Did anybody remember what my fantasy match was two weeks ago? Seriously, the first person in the chat right now that could name the match that I said two weeks ago that if AEW gave it to us that I would have, you know, literally, I would have, you know, not physically, but I would have had a, literally an orgasm. I would have actually asked my neighbor next door for a cigarette and light a cigarette for the first time in 20-something years. Anybody remember the match I wanted to see in AEW? Okay, Dalvin Brown, you got it. You could... PM me on Twitter and uh, let me know any shirt you want. Could be promotion, podcaster, could be rivals of mine, I don't care. Brody Lee versus Marco Stein. Remember two weeks ago? My God, the fifth grader. Brody Lee killed the fifth grader. I, I don't mean literally in real life, but that's what I wanted. We get that next week. Come on, man. Seriously. I mean, kill a cross, homeboy, you know, was a supporter of our show, been listening to us way before he even got into wrestling. That motherfucker could be on NXT for the entire show next week. And sorry, um, if uh, we see um, Brody Lee beating up the fifth grader, everything turns off. I I will I, I will actually consider. I'm I'm exaggerating, but I want to see that, and I want to see. If Brody Lee starts putting a little trance on Marco Stunt, where Marco Stunt starts thinking about possibly joining this guy, beat the shit out of him. Seriously. You know why I want to see him get his ass kicked too? I don't want to... I'm, again, I'm being figuratively. I don't want to see Marco Stunt really hurt. But I remember when Lance Archer beat the balls out of Marco Stunt a couple of weeks ago. I could see children doing it maybe preteens, I saw people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s getting triggered and really insulted and thought it was disgusting to have someone the size of Lance Archer beat up someone the size of a, of a kid. Seriously, could you imagine if those motherfuckers were around when uh, King Kong Bundy splashed the Haiti kid? They would have been like, they would have just flipped out. Jesus. So anyway, um, Dalvin, my answer for what? Uh, Facebook is the other one. Okay, yeah, Dalvin Brown, send me a message on Facebook. If you don't have Twitter, contact me on Facebook. But So anyway, uh, and by the way, we got a new member of the Dark Order today. I know this pisses off some people when I do this, but... Didn't I tell everybody that the Brody Lee character started off as a shot at Vince McMahon? And little by little, it would branch away from Vince McMahon. And it would be someone abuse of power. Remember abuse of power? Those three words. Tonight, that had nothing to do pretty much with Vince McMahon at all. This was someone 
who was upset and not getting the opportunities that he wanted to get. And he joined the Dark Order. He gave him the mask, felt a little bit more like NWO. It could even maybe feel a little bit like when uh, Vince Russo first came into WCW and he would have creative control in the room and wrestlers would come in and want opportunity and this is and that. I remember when the Mexicans came in and he did the piñata. Piñata! 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 You know, it's, it's abuse of power. But Preston Vance... Look, I think on Twitter he might be at Vanilla Vance. Um, you know, look, he's got a couple of thousand followers. Not any gigantic star. But they're putting a mask over his head, so you're not even going to see, you know, his good looks. But it's a new member of the Dark Order, and we'll see where it goes. Um, who's that girl that... Uh, showed up in AEW a couple of weeks ago and she wrestled this past week on Dark. Uh, was it AJ? What was, what was her name? I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now. Someone in the chat will. But that girl, the one with the hat, really, really cute, the blonde hair, uh, she is the girlfriend of Preston Vance. Anna J, thank you, Flasher Corpse. Anna J. Um, from what I understand, Anna J is the girlfriend of Preston Vance. So he who dates each other or shows up at the arena together gets to work together. So that's what we got right now. So it's not any major star. Um, they already revealed it online. It's Preston Vance. Um, and that's the right way to go because you don't want to build up like, who's this person that's signed? Who's this person that's signed? There's actually articles online that talk a little bit about Preston Vance. So you want to get a little bit of background on him, there's some good reading online. He's not bad, but um, that's who it is. But I'll tell you something else I absolutely love today. This was one of my early complaints about AEW, and that is their lack of packages building up young stars. Yeah, maybe better late than never, but I absolutely loved the package they did today with Scorpio Sky. Do you remember like maybe three three weeks in when they started Dynamite and I was talking about how they should do packages to give you a little of the personal side, the background of some of these people that are not household names? I honestly think that would have helped Marco Stunt tremendously back then. And it would have helped some others as well. The only thing that might have been missing a little bit back then was the lack of in-ring video of them wrestling in AEW because AEW is so new. But now they are focusing a lot more on video packages and they are doing a really good job. They're doing a really good job. Um, maybe some of the video packages are guys or gals that you're not really, you know, interested in, but that is something that AEW should have been doing about four or five months ago. And I thought what they did today were, was great. Um, the guy that wrestled Brody Lee tonight, um, I have it right here. Uh, let's see, because I, I, oh, Justin Law. Justin Law. Beat him in about two minutes. After the match was over, he was scoping out Marco Stunt, and then we found out that, we're going to get Brody Lee versus Marco Stunt next week. Remember, you know, remember Pineapple Pete? Notice that nobody's changed their shirts over the last couple of weeks. 
All of these matches were all recorded pretty much that same night. So you have some wrestlers who's wrestled two, three, four times. Nothing new compared to the 80s. If anybody remembers the old WWF tapings in the 80s where you would go to like the 100-seat arena, we would, you know, we'd go like, you know, in the in, uh, in Queens area, or, and they would t- do like tapings for like, uh, maybe three weeks worth of shows, and you would have wrestlers wrestling three, four times. But usually most of their matches were quick and squash. So Brody Lee, when Brody Lee squashes this guy today, squashes Marco Stunt, beat the fuck two weeks ago, they're pretty much all at the same day, on the same day. But, uh, you know, I, I don't mind seeing that. And I already told you that um, Dustin Rhodes be Kip Sabian, wasn't a bad match, but again, I there was just no way, no way whatsoever that Dustin was losing that match, in my opinion. It was, it was just impossible that that was going to happen. Um, so he goes on next week, and uh, Cody takes on Darby Allen next week. Now, the Darby Allen-Guevara match, all right, lasted about 11 minutes, maybe a little shorter, than we thought it would be, but I enjoyed the match tremendously. Guevara and Darby Allen have some great chemistry together. Um, match, you know, you saw them have their match at Revolution in February. They tore it up. And tonight, you know, you basically had Darby Allen um, get from Guevara what Guevara got from Allen back in February. You know, before the match started, Guevara does a dive outside the ring, beating the balls off of Darby Allen. One point, took a ladder, laid out Darby Allen outside the ring, and did this like the superfly splash onto Allen. The um, the ladder didn't break, and it looked pretty stiff. You know, referee Aubrey Edwards and the officials checking on them. They go to commercial. The match hadn't even started yet, so. 10 minutes, yeah, as I just said, seems a little bit quick for the type of match that they had. But keep in mind that we had several minutes of brawling before the bell started. So match was great. A lot of back and forth. I loved towards the end where Guevara tried to set up Darby Allen for the superplex, but Darby Allen blocked it. And then he pulled off Guevara's foot and starts giving him an ankle lock, you know, with Guevara upside down. You know, it really sold the match. And it was, uh, and to get a quick roll up, it was fine, man. I enjoyed it. They definitely had a great opener. Um, We'll talk about NXT's card in a little bit. Uh, You know, Guevara hitting that 630 splash is awesome. But to me, you know, the whole story, it was my predictions. I honestly felt that Allen and Cody was definitely going to be taking place. So Darby Allen advances. He's going to face Cody next week. We'll see where that match goes. Now, as far as Cody with the opening segment today, um, you know, it, yeah, and it was funny. I wonder if anybody else thought this. When AEW first came on and they showed Cody sitting at the monitors, Anybody for a split second feel like that was almost the same setup as Creepy Ali when Creepy Ali was sitting at the, uh, you know, 
behind the monitors before, you know, the truth shall be told and all that. But Cody's promo, you know, talking about, you know, his career. And yeah, some people are saying yes, but he was talking about his career and he was bringing up Guevara and Lance Archer, Kip Sabian, Darby Allen, putting everybody over. And he was questioning himself, where does he fit in? Um, is he going to be mid-card for life? You know, they had to th show that clip of him smashing that throne that looked like Triple H's throne. And he says that he smashed the throne because uh, he was afraid to sit in it uh, or if people thought that. And he was wondering who his opponent would be. It was, it was a nice opener, um, well-produced, and it was to set up the entire night. So, you know, that's what we got to open up today. A lot of fun, solid opening. To me, the early part of AEW was extremely solid. And as the night went along, to me, started to lose a little bit of interest, to be honest with you. We had Broken Matt at the Hardy Compound, you know, bringing up the whole of the ass, talking about the inner circle. And we got a little bit different this week. We got Broken Matt, but then we got regular Matt. And Matt Hardy's talking about Kenny Omega, talking about the Young Bucks and Cody. And, um, you know, again, I, I made this prediction a month ago, and it's going to happen. You're going to see some matches take place at the Hardy compound. Absolutely. It's the right way to go. Um, they're giving Matt Hardy some time to be with his family. I call it regular Matt, you know. We got broken Matt, we got regular Matt. But I liked it. I liked it. Him going in and out of, uh, you know, character, I actually, I think that's pretty good. And you know why that's smart too? Because that opens up the opportunity for Matt Hardy to just be Matt Hardy. Especially when you see some of the videos online with him, with his son, and there he's got a lot of, you know, videos just trying to keep everybody, you know, happy and stay strong. And a lot of people are doing that. But it allows Matt Hardy to be Matt Hardy. So I have no problem. And you know what? I got to say this too. I know Tony Khan got a lot of shit earlier this week because he went at it with a member of his football team that was asking for a release. And, you know, Tony Khan actually, uh, it appeared that he got the shit end of the stick with it because a lot of people were trashing Tony Khan for the way that this was handled on social media. I thought they were both wrong, but I think Tony, Tony Khan tonight, especially on Twitter, live tweeting as AEW was going on, going along with that stuff, you know, sure, He's got bucks, sure, you know, Shad Khan, you know, whatever. You hear, you, you want Fed, here's your Fed, you know. But um, he's a, a real diehard wrestling fan, and he really, really cares about his product. And to see him interacting, when you know what kind of financial worth he is and all the other projects he's involved in, you know, to spend time with fans on social media tonight, I thought that was pretty damn good. I thought it was pretty damn good. Um, Benjamin, go on his social media and you'll see the back and forth that he had with that football player early this week. So, um, as I go along, John and everybody else, my prediction with the rating will start falling into place. 
Right now, you know, I'm just reliving how what I experienced in AEW. When we get to NXT in a few moments, we'll talk about that. We'll uh, get to my prediction. And then I'll bring up, you know, my apology to Sami Zayn. And I swear to everybody out there, I'm not trying to keep everybody, you know, like um, uh, hanging, keeping everybody hanging on. Oh, later on, apology later. No, I, I want to do it towards the end. You know, I just, the only reason why I'm bringing it up a couple of times during the show is because some people may have tuned in late and may wondered, what did he say? Did he say anything? Did he apologize? This fucking asshole man up to Sammy Zane? I, I got it all. But no, I just, for some people that may have tuned in late that just wondered, no, we'll get into that as soon as I finish NXT. And we're almost done, believe it or not. Um, another thing I really enjoyed today was that segment that they did called Technique by Taz, where he is reviewing a little bit of Kenny Omega's offense, the Snapdragon suplex. He's talking about the, the V-trigger. And, um, you know, they're doing a good job, you know, avoiding the Hangman Page situation. It's Hangman Page, obviously, I mean, I don't believe that he is sick. Um, again, I think it's really wrong for anybody out there to assume anybody in wrestling has COVID unless they come out and say it or their company does, which I don't think they would. But Hangman Page is a perfect example of someone who is not comfortable to appear in the arena. I'm sure some people may think that it's storyline because they were forced to hold off on, you know, the inner circle versus the elite. But there are some people um, and Joe, Oliver, Joe Oliveira, I've only talked about the AEW recap for about 10 minutes. I've been talking about a lot of other things. I'm going back and forth. I already talked about some of the stuff in NXT. So I don't know what you're talking about. You know, if you're a big a a NXT fan and not as big an AEW fan, you know, sorry. I mean, this is just the way I do what I do. But um, so anyway, getting to Kenny Omega, he fights Allen Angels. Beats him in six minutes. To me, it was about three or four minutes too long. This goes back to what I said at the beginning of the show. Chris Jericho, his commentary, although he's not done it long, he just totally whips the shit out of Byron Saxton and Tom Phillips. Both of them are more polished, obviously, and they have a good chemistry together. But the one thing that Jericho does that those two guys have a hard time doing is taking chicken shit and making it appear to be chicken salad. I'm not in any way saying that Allen Angels is chicken shit. But when Jericho, a Hall of Famer, one of the biggest names in wrestling, and everybody knows how important he is in AEW, that guy is spending time making Allen Angels' offense seem important. That helps Allen Angels. At the end of the day, he's enhancement talent. But still, you see Mouthfuck Tom and Byron Saxton, and they're just going through the motions. Sure, they get a little motion here and there. But when was the last time, seriously, Maranalo does it very well. But when was the last time that you ever watched or listened to commentary from Tom Phillips or Byron Saxton and you were left saying, you know, those two guys really help bring up the wrestler in the ring that maybe is unknown 
or really has not had an opportunity. You never feel like they elevate the people in the ring. Jericho does a great... Yeah, John Dillinger, maybe channeling, channeling a little Joey Styles, channeling, you know, little Gordon Soley, early Jim Ross. There's a, some others as well. Lance Russell comes to mind. Dave Brown comes to mind. Um, you don't get that often. We would get it back in the 80s when Madison Square Garden used to... Their WWF shows used to air on the MSG network... And we would have an opening match, which would be like Johnny Rods versus Jose Luis Rivera. Now, both guys in the ring were never really ever pushed, but you would have Gorilla Monsoon and whoever he was commentating with, Lord Alfred Hayes and others, because neither one were major stars. They would spend time making these guys appear to be much bigger than what they are. You can see some in the WWF old school, and you'll see some of the examples, but Jericho knocks it out of the park, in my opinion. But at the end of the day, I don't think Alan Angels, no way should have gone six minutes with Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega against that guy should have just squashed him like a grape. And speaking of squashing, Orange Cassidy versus Jimmy Havoc. Maybe not squashing like a grape, but beating him to a pulp. That's what Jericho said about Orange Cassidy. This match was basically Havoc Owning Orange Cassidy for most of the match. Orange Cassidy, Orange Cassidy gets some offense towards the end. We had Kip Sabian, you know, interacting and doing a dive onto best friends. Then Penelope Ford tries to hit a move onto Orange Cassidy. He moves out of the way. Penelope Ford. The ending of the match was a little sloppy. I think everybody will admit that. But Penelope Ford missing the the the, the, the move off the top rope rolls out of the ring. And Orange Cassidy, I don't know if he was trying to do a roll-up or it seemed almost like a suplex, but it seemed a little messy, but he got the abrupt win on Jimmy Havoc. After the match was over, they beat the balls off Orange Cassidy. And this sets up a match next week. Um, was it is, is next week Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc versus Best Friends? Is that the match they announced? They, that might have been the match they announced, but I think it's like no DQ, no whatever. But again... You know, no disrespect to Best Friends or Kip Sabian. Jimmy Havoc I like, but I think AEW overvalues Kip Sabian. He's young, he's talented, he's got a bright future, he's got a hot girlfriend. She could actually perform a little bit too. She had that four-way match or the three-way not too long ago. She actually did well. But again, putting Kip Sabian in that much of a spotlight right now, I don't think... The crowd uh, watching at home is that interested in it. Sorry, Dustin Rhodes versus Kip Sabian to close out AEW. I'm that's why I'm so disappointed with AE uh, with NXT's main event. It wasn't a bad main event. It was a very odd tag team forming, which we'll get into. But man, if if Balor and Velveteen Dream would have closed out NXT tonight, I think. I would have said without a shadow of a doubt, NXT would have won to AEW three weeks in a row. As I'm going along, I'm starting to think to myself that AEW squeaks out the ratings win this week. We're not there yet. Going to talk about NXT in a moment. Wardlow over Lee Johnson in two minutes. You know, they're trying to play off something uh, uh, with MJF. 
teasing that he's got a major injury and this is that, and it ends up it's a hangnail. You know, MJF, I'm pretty sure that that video was from Long Island. I don't know if it, if I could be wrong, but the reason why is because I used to date a girl that used to live three blocks where MJF grew up. And the one thing that I always remembered from her neighborhood is that you would go down these blocks and you would end up like doing like a, like a, like a, it's almost like a circle. Like you drive down the block and you make the wrong turn. And the next thing you know, you're pulling up to someone else's house and you have to like go like a roundabout around the person's house back the other way to get back onto the road. If you make the wrong turn, that's what it looks like. That's what it looked like. So I think MJF must have been in Long Island. I could be wrong. It really looked like, you know, Long Island, that neighborhood. But um, we already talked about Preston Vance joining the Dark Order. We already talked about Brody Lee squashing Justin Law. Next week, we get to see him squash the fifth grader. And Dustin Rhodes, you know, beating Kip Sabian. John Moxley, they did a little video package. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with Moxley next week and uh you know there it's smart for them to advertise moxley next week but as you could see moxley versus hager last week did not deliver anywhere near aw wanted them to i brought look when i did wednesday night dynamite last week that was before the ratings came out and the one thing that really disappointed me about last week was having like 55 people given their predictions of Hager versus Moxley. No disrespect to Hager at all. I have sung the praise of him since he's been in AEW. But at the end of the day, it's fucking Jake Hager. And I don't give a shit how many Bellator fighters, how many fucking legends, how many fucking wrestlers are given their predictions. At the end of the day, I mean, they learned their lesson this week because we didn't get a whole bunch of people predicting it's Dustin Rhodes going to lose. I mean, you know, we got a little thing here and there. But, you know, I again, AEW, oh, Matt Hardy, Moxley, you know, there's got to be a, some better, and Jericho's not wrestling. Jericho's really not wrestling much right now, if you think about it. So, you know, they. I think they need to advertise a big big main event, unless they're content with what's going on right now with the ratings. Look, in my opinion, there should be no cause of concern right now for AEW with ratings, even if they are pretty low right now because of the climate that we're in, you know. But when you do see viewers gradually going down and NXT is gradually going up, you know, you have to stop that bleeding sooner than later. You don't want to build any momentum because people like to get into habits. In fact, I always remember, one of the things I always remember is if you're if anybody ever watched the Monday Night War, you know, box set that WWE did when they did all those chapters with the Monday Night War, I always remember a clip that I think it was Jericho that said that, you know, towards the end you know, like some people would just watch because of repetition, but once they moved away, you know, from WCW, they never came back. And, you know, you don't want to get fans in repetition to start 
getting out of the habit of making AEW must-see TV. Because if WWE catches fire with a couple of storylines and a couple of wrestlers, you know, I'm telling you, it really disappointed me with these Lucha Underground supposed viewers that that were making fun of El Hijo del Fantasma like they'd never seen him before. I mean, seriously, what the fuck is that? (laughs) Oh, man. That's like all of these fans that were big time. Just, this is a great comparison. I was a fan of ECW since 1993. I went to many Philly shows and New York shows, obviously. And I got to see Rey Mysterio wrestle once in person against Hoobie in ECW. And everybody was fucking talking about Rey Mysterio. Juventud Guerrera, Psychosis, Conan, La Parca. Those were the guys. And... That's like ECW fans talking about Rey Mysterio week in and week out and week in and week out and week in. And then he debuts in WCW and they start writing on social media tonight. Fuck is this guy? The fuck is, what, what is he, a wannabe Mil Mascaras? Uh, you know what I mean? Like, it, and in 1995, Rey Mysterio was a phenomenon. We got to see When Worlds Collide, and we got to see a little bit of Rey Mysterio. We in New York got to see him in AAA before he even went to ECW. So we used to see him on Channel 47 late at night um, on the weekends. But that's like seeing him in 95 because before he became a major star, and then he shows up at WCW, you don't know what the fuck he is. Seriously. Um, John Dillinger saying false claim on many levels. What are you talking about? I don't know. I don't know what he is talking about. But if you think that I'm making it up, go on Twitter and just type in El Hijo del Fantasma and just go look at the social media jokes posted his way today. So, M. Cruz or Ray at uh, When Worlds Collide. Wow, so you're old, <laughs> like me, <laughs> like me. Oh, yeah, John. Yeah, Saturday mornings as well, man. You know what I always remember from the AAA shows? They would always, what, what would a, they weren't whistles. But what was that noise that all those fucking Mexicans in the crowd used to always, I know they had the spinning thing for like New Year's, but there was that buzzing sound. Remember? If anybody out there doesn't know what I'm talking about, just go on YouTube and type in like AAA, AAA, Rey Mysterio, 1993 or 1994. Um, Oh, yeah, no, yeah. You know, some people talk out of their ass, man. Not everybody, but there is a nice amount of people that they reveal themselves, that they don't follow the things that they say they follow. And it's pretty disappointing, man. Um, was it the, no, I know the Mexican spinners, but there was always this buzz. And I, that's what I always remember growing up as a wrestling fan and watching AAA on Telemundo and, uh, Newark. Um, what are they called? Vuvuzelas? Is that what it is? No idea. But maybe what I'll do is maybe on this YouTube clip tonight, I'll post a link of like a random match when I'm talking about. But um, now nah, this was glaring. I mean, some soccer games I think had it too, but 
Yeah, actually, you know what? You're right, Ben. Some soccer games do have that buzz also, but I'm going to pull up a Rey Mysterio match from AAA. I'll post it on a link on YouTube, and you'll see what I'm talking about. So now we go to NXT. Not a bad show. Um, I didn't feel any matches were overdrawn, you know, drawn out too long. Um, I was very disappointed that they were hyping up so much of who attacked Tommaso Ciampa. All week, who attacked Tommaso? Like Howie Cosell, who attacked Tommaso Ciampa? Who attacked NXT? Who attacked Tommaso? We got like almost nothing. Almost nothing. Five minutes before NXT starts, they post on Twitter that earlier there was an incident in the locker room that Finn Balor's belongings were ransacked. They don't know what's going on. His belongings. Novelas, novelas, okay. Novelas, he might be right. China! Don't ask why I keep doing that. But anyway, so we get the opening NXT. Um, Finn Balor's not laid out anywhere. Um, don't know if he's playing mind games on Velveteen Dream, but his belongings, his belongings. I don't know, I just, I, I'm like, all right, at least they told this early on, but I'm like, what main event are we going to get? Well, we found out pretty quickly because Velveteen Dream comes out and he's cutting a promo talking about new levels, new devils. New levels, new devils. And he says that Velveteen Dream still deals with his same old demons. And he was talking about Finn Balor. Adam Cole's music hits. Adam Cole's away from the pool. So Adam Cole, I guess, is a little bit comfortable to return, or maybe they just gave him a little bit of a respite, which he deserved with all the work he did. I'm telling you, I know a lot of people disagree, but in my opinion, Adam Cole was the wrestler of the year for 2019. Absolutely. But um, Adam Cole comes out, and he's confronting Velveteen Dream, because remember, you know, Velveteen Dream stood on top of that cage with the NXT title. He wants Adam Cole. So next thing we know, Roderick Strong and Bobby Fish attack Velveteen Dream from behind, and Keith Lee makes the save. All right. So we find out that later on we're going to get um, Roderick Strong and Adam Cole versus Keith Lee and Velveteen Dream. Not a bad match. I mean, I, I didn't mind looking forward to it, but I really wanted to see Balor versus Dream. That I would have really enjoyed seeing. So next, we have Tegan Knox and Shotzi Blackheart. They lose to Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. Four-minute match, maybe a little bit too short, but um, Raquel Gonzalez's one-arm powerbomb, pretty impressive. She did it Shotzi Blackheart today, but... It was a four-minute match. Before you knew it, it was over. Um, next, we get Drake Maverick. And as I said earlier, if you looked at the backdrop and what he was wearing, it looks the same as the video that I shared with everybody uh, over the weekend. And uh, Drake Maverick is talking about getting released from his WWE contract. WWE showed footage of Drake Maverick crying. And Drake Maverick said that, you know, he's going to go all in on the tournament. And, you know, if you if you 
are skimming through this video, go back to the beginning when I talked about Drake Maverick because I don't want to be get repeated again. But I really, really hope that WWE has seller's remorse and they change their mind and keep this guy because this could turn out, and he doesn't even have to swerve and turn heel, but this could turn out to be in one of the bright spots of WWE or NXT during this pandemic if they do it the right way. The problem with WWE is when you look at the overall tournament for the Cruiserweight Championship, you look at the overall, you got to remember something. It's an interim title. So Jordan Devlin, sooner or later, is coming back for that belt. So when you look really that far ahead, who is the, you know, the, the favorite in this tournament. A lot of people think Kushida is. So now in order for Drake Maverick to possibly advance, he has to beat Kushida and he's got to beat Tony Nese. So I, I'm not certain if that's going to happen. WWE, you know, the Daniel Bryan storyline, I don't think people understand how rare that is, that WWE really listens to that degree and goes that far with it. At the end of the day, I just don't... WWE's track record does not make me feel like, in the end, Drake Maverick could overcome the odds, go through the whole tournament, and win. It almost feels like I could just picture Vince in the back and Drake Maverick has that, that look on his face of reality that that's it. His career is done in WWE, and he could be crying, and I guarantee fucking to you, I guarantee you, I'm not even making fun of it right now, I guarantee you that if he loses this tournament and he sheds a couple of tears on TV, you're going to see fans online crying for real. And I could just picture Vince in Connecticut with the infamous line that everybody jokes about right now. That's such good shit. It's just... There are some TV shows where the good guy always wins at the end. He always rescues the girl or the guy. And the superhero, you know, just stands on the mountain with the cape and, and, and like this. And that's how they go off the air. Now, nah, Vince, a lot of times, likes to go off the air where, you know, got that close. But nah, you're fired. I hope I'm wrong. I just got that bad feeling, man. But tonight we had Jake Atlas make his NXT debut, I believe. Beat Drake Maverick, which I thought was the right way to go because it helps elevate Jake Atlas. It also helps elevate Drake Maverick because now people think, okay, Drake Maverick has got to be against the wall right now for the storyline. You want to root for Drake Maverick even more. Now, for some people out there, I don't want to get into it too much right now, but when you see the Jake Atlas promo and he's talking about being a true inspiration for uh, some people out there, um, go look up his bio uh, because there's some aspects of his personal life that has not been revealed on television yet, but um, he's not bad. In fact, there's a match out there of Killer Cross versus Jake Atlas that I have actually seen, and it is not a bad match. Jake Atlas actually could work a little bit. That, like, 
like that cat what, what was what was the ddt he did like he like did like a, a cat not a cannonball but he did like a shit i i'm drawing a blank what the move was but he's standing on a near the corner and he jumps off the top rope and does like a like a was it a, a 360 a cartwheel thank you benjamin cartwheel that is a nice fucking looking cartwheel ddt that's creative man is he spectacular no he's on the right path he's talented all right so there's a nice backdrop for his personal story if you want to go look it up but um the cartwheel ddt it looks sweet but he defeated drake maverick you know after the match was over you know he was kind of like gonna show a little sympathy for maverick but he's like i knew i could win I don't know if they're going to make Jake Atlas more of a heel with this, but um, as far as what? But then when they do waste of a contract, you're talking about if they just let go Maverick? It's a storyline right now. We should be We should be thankful that WWE is having him wrestle three more matches. All right, and he's going along with it, you know. You just you should if you really like the guy, root for the guy, and let's hope that WWE change their mind. I think in the current climate that we're in, WWE has got to give a little bit for the fans. And again, I don't want to get into the whole rant again, but there is no way that WWE ever in a million years ever thought that Drake Maverick would get this kind of a response online more than anybody else. You know, sure, there are other wrestlers that might have been much higher in the food chain that got released. I know a lot of people are upset about Rusev and what they did with him and what they didn't do with him. But Drake Maverick was a whole different animal. And here's something else you got to think about too. Drake Maverick wasn't getting paid crazy, crazy bucks. So... They, it's not like they have to pay him seven fifty a year for three years to keep him. Drake Maverick's salary is much more reasonable compared to some people they let go. And, you know, who knows? Look at Gronk. They thought that they had Gronk. Oh, he's going to run. Thank fucking God. Thank God this guy is going to still play football. It's in his contract. He can't. To, you know, he, let him drop that 24-7 title and just get the fuck out of here. So, Jake Atlas just started, Johnny. He had one goddamn match. Why Why write him off so quickly? We don't know where it goes. Maybe he ends up being a dime a dozen. But he is talented. He's had some great matches. And he got a win today. So, next we had a segment with Damian Priest. All he cares about is Keith Lee's championship. And this is going to set up a match between the two next week that we're going to see on NXT. I think NXT, they tape uh, next Wednesday's show. I think they tape it possibly Tuesday or maybe Wednesday during the day. And then they're going to tape the following week as well. I don't have the schedule in front of me, but now we go to taped. So that could be a very good thing because this gives them some time to edit and tweak. Uh, if they're going to do vignettes, they don't need to wait till next Tuesday to record them. 
They could be recording segments, vignettes, backstage brawls. They could be doing stuff right now, not at 11.48 p.m., but they could be doing it all this week. They don't have to wait till next week. A lot of the people are in Florida. A lot of them live there. So them going to the tape schedule, I think, is going to make the product better. I really believe that. So uh, next we had Kushida versus Tony Nice. Not a bad match. Um, Kushida is really talented. But even with a, a an, an empty arena, there's something that's not clicking with Kushida. I don't know what it is. Maybe he needed to get that connection with the fans because you know what it is? When you when you have a wrestler, even if it's someone low on the card, Drake Maverick might be a great example of that. He was on TV enough that he developed that connection with the fans. So now with empty arenas, that connection still remains. Or it may wear off a little bit, but fans did at some point have a connection with a wrestler. It could be Shotzi Blackheart. could be anybody. You develop a little connection with those fans, and then you go to empty arenas. Those fans are not live, and they're not animated. You don't see them, but they still have that connection where they still tune into the person every week. Kushida, I don't think ever got that. And Kushida, as talented as he is, you know, the lack of connection with the fans, other than that tiny core audience that that you know about, that's lacking. Tony Nese has been lacking something for a while as well. And unfortunately, I could not get into this match at all. Kushida, again, might be, you know, might come down to Kushida versus El Hijo del Fantazo. Uh, no, it can't, actually, it can't. They're in the, the same... Um, no, no, they are in the opposites. No, I think it could be El Hijo del Fantasmo versus Kushida. That might actually end up being the final. But Kushida beats Tony Nice, And, you know, it was what it was. Um, backstage interview with Matt Riddle and Timothy Thatcher. And uh, even though he likes T-Man, he misses, you know, Pete Dunne. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. So right now, you know, we don't have Pete Dunne. And I'm telling you, man... That, that is a shame because, and you know what? It may not be, this might be a little bit of a blessing in disguise because a lot of Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne's chemistry was, you know, heavily inflated because of the interaction with the crowd. So if they were doing these comedy segments or having week in and week out matches on TV with empty arenas, three, four, five months from now, you might have fans saying, you know, I, I think it's time that they split. So the fact that they're not together right now, if they reform two, three, four months from now, and then you start having live crowds again, it'll feel fresh. So in a way, I actually don't have a problem with it too much. But again, it sucks that their tag team champions and Pete Dunne, you know, is not there to defend his side of the title. Uh, we had the Karrion Cross video. Then he immediately went to the video with Gargano and Candice LeRae. Um, I felt they should have done a little bit more with Killer Cross today, um, especially the way they hyped it up all week. 
But, you know, I guess, you know, next week we got to see that progress. We'll see where it goes. Next week is is starting to stack up like a pretty solid week for NXT, the matches that they're advertising. And we'll see where the cross-Champa feud goes from here. We don't even know who Gargano and Candice LeRae are going to feud with, who they're going to feud with. Um, WWE may be just giving... Gargano and Larray a little bit of a breather. Because remember what I said a month ago, that you're going to see some, some wrestlers rotating. You're going to see someone for a week or two, and then you're going to see them gone for a week or two. So I don't think it's Kushida. I don't think it's because of a lack of English. Um, there's just something missing with him. It's something that's just not fitting in, in my opinion. But the Gargano, you know, Candice LeRae package was fun. You know, just basically they're fed up. And Candice LeRae talking about how she always ate second. And, she, you know, the, she's now going to be the one on top with the locker room and everything. You know, it was to show their smugness, their cockiness. Um, you know, some people are not used to seeing like their faces as heels. Some people, you look at them and you just don't feel as heels, but I'm going to give it time. I don't think there's anything wrong with that right now. The only thing is, is who do they feud with, especially since they're a couple? Does this somehow morph into Gargano, Larray versus Cross and Bordeaux? I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to think like what other couples. Yeah, there's a couple of options out there. But I just don't know how you go from point A to point B. So we will see. Uh, e. Shirai package hyping up her match against Charlotte at Money in the Bank. Um, you know, I've already expressed my thoughts about it. Charlotte, I know a lot of people are still unhappy with it. But the last three weeks, if you even want to narrow it down for two weeks, she has shown why her being the women's champion right now for NXT was the right way to go. She is now going to face Mia Yim next week. Mia Yim today beat Jesse Camilla, three minutes. Charlotte comes out after, and basically, you know, they explained a little history of the two going back five years. And, you know, Charlotte's talking to Mia Yim how five years ago Mia Yim helped Charlotte become a star. And, man, Charlotte triggered some people today when she called Mia Yim a good hand. And I saw people online going, but wait, Cody said that about Sean Spears. The term good hand has been used many times over the years, folks. AEW didn't revolutionize that phrase. I don't know why people got triggered at that, but Charlotte calling Mia Yim a good hand and saying that, you know, Charlotte is is going to help Mia Yim finally become a star. And Mia Yim took offense to that. Charlotte walks off, and we find out that they're going to face each other next week, which, unfortunately, we probably know the outcome of the match. But, again, Charlotte is going to help elevate some people on that roster who they need a bigger name to face. And Mia Yim versus Charlotte... I seriously doubt is going to be a shitty match. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, but people getting triggered because Charlotte uh, <laughs> used the good hand remark, man, you know, 
got too much time on your hands. So we had uh, Chelsea Green and Robert Stone sitting at the poolside. I'm fed up with seeing people at poolsides, man. Seriously. Maybe because I'm in New York and it's not poolside weather yet. But, you know, it's I don't I don't really give a shit about that. The Jack Gallagher promo, and he's showing his war paint, and he's got a little bit of a different look now with his outfit. You know, not bad. Not bad. Um, unfortunately, he loses to El Gil del Fantasmo. I already talked about him a few times tonight. Fantasmo um, and Benjamin, it's not people having the honor to lose in the Charlotte. It's the experience. It's facing a, a legit name. It, it's important in people's careers. Having facing certain names is an important thing. You know, who do you want me and him to face next week instead? Shotzi Blackheart. You know he. And you look, Rhea Ripley's not wrestling right now. So I have no problem with it. But anyway, Jack Gallagher, El Hijo del Fantasma. Great match. Um, you know, El Hijo del Fantasma is going to be a big star in NXT. I'm telling you, you know, if you never followed Lucha Underground, go look at his work as uh, King Creno. The guy has it. Now, obviously, it takes two to tango. He has to have great opponents to really be able to showcase what he can do. His match with Jack Gallagher tonight was very good. I don't think there was any chance of Jack Gallagher winning, but WWE did a good job with the promos also, trying to build up some of the wrestlers. But in the end, we had El Hijo del Fantasma get the win. Um, I got to get out of the habit of saying El Fantasmo. The reason why I say that, just so people know, is because I'm Italian, and when we address like some things like male, we use O at the end, and females A, so that's why I always use O in some of the terminology, but um, after the match was over, it was fucking funny. Fantasma is outside, cutting a promo, and then this vehicle pulls up, and we see these mask luchadors, or whatever the fuck they are, and they try to kidnap him, and he breaks V, and they race off, and you know, we'll see where it goes. But it, 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 I laughed at it more than anything else. But uh, we have next week Mia Yim versus Charlotte, Damian Priest versus Keith Lee. And then the, the final tonight, um, you know, we had Velveteen Dream and Dexter Loomis. Dexter Loomis. Originally it was supposed to be Keith Lee, but Damian Priest took him out. So Dexter Loomis ends up teaming with Velveteen Dream. It was a very odd pairing. Dexter Loomis, I sung the praise last week. Uh, talked about him on Friday. And, you know, it was a very, very weird dynamic with the two. Um, when Velveteen Dream made the hot tag towards the end of the match, I honestly thought Dexter Loomis was going to turn around and just knock his ass out. But Dexter Loomis... Reminded me of old school Undertaker, the way he was throwing his punches. I don't know if anybody had that vibe, but if you go back and look at the hot tag, when Loomis was just throwing those rights, reminded me a lot of old school Undertaker, when old school Undertaker used to just throw those punches. But in the end, they get the win, and um, that's how we go off the air. 
it, it was a fun episode of NXT. Um, it's it's a hard call, man. I mean, AEW and NXT's ratings have not been spectacular. Yeah, Benjamin, I, I don't know what the deal... Look, I don't know why they went that route with Loomis. It surprises me that no one else could have fit that role at that particular... Again, it was live today, so maybe they just were extremely short-staffed. I have no idea. But as far as ratings go, I tell you, man, even though I know there was no chance whatsoever of Dustin Rhodes losing today, and Kip Sabian in the main event is not a ratings draw... I don't think people turned away enough because Dexter Loomis and Velveteen Dream faced Roderick Strong and Adam Cole. So if you ask my gut feeling with this, I am going to say that AEW regains the ratings win this time around, but it is going to be awfully close. I'm going to say AEW did 703,000 viewers and NXT is going to do... I'll say six, six eighty-seven. I'll say that seven hundred three to six eighty-seven. That's my prediction. Although overall, you know what? I actually did like AEW a little bit more tonight for the simple reason that Guevara and Allen was very entertaining. You know, so many other matches were okay, but just NXT did. It feels like they didn't capitalize. It feels like NXT took a step back this week compared to the week before, in my opinion. That WrestleMania rub feels like it's completely worn off. So now, before we go, as I said earlier, I definitely wanted to bring up a little apology about uh, about Sami Zayn, and I definitely want to show a little bit of respect and appreciation to one of our viewers, if I could pull this up. Uh, big shout out to Anthony Diaz, and he gets where I'm coming from, but he has the right to say what he said. Freedom of speech protects all speech, even speech you don't like. I totally agree with you, my friend. And that's one of the reasons why I felt the need to express an apology today. And the thing is this, you know, I got very emotional on Monday because the thing is, is that you know, I am a Sami Zayn fan. And I posted this earlier on Twitter, and I'm only going to be a couple of minutes with this, but I posted this on Twitter earlier that, you know, Sami Zayn, you know, I've contrib contributed to some of his causes before, too, to be exact. But not only that, when he had that serious injury, um, you could go do an advanced Twitter search on my wall, you'll see that I've talked about, you know, in the past his injuries and wishing him well. Some of the storylines that he was in, I wasn't the biggest fans of. But um, Sami Zayn is not a dirtbag. I took it extremely personal because I realized that, you know, and I'm not trying, I'm just trying to explain me. I do insurance for a living. I have a lot of debt right now. I got engaged last year. I'm trying to get married next year or the year after. I work so hard to pay off bills. And I find myself charging this, charging this, charging this. I have customers in my insurance office that are canceling because they can't afford things. I live in New York. 
my neighborhood, the average property tax for someone's house is $8,000 a year. You divide that into 12 months, that's about $700 a month in taxes. Unfortunately, New York City, up until this year, you had to pay your taxes at minimum every quarter. So you have upcoming on April 1st or May 1st, now it's May 1st, you have a quarterly tax where people have to come up with two, three, four thousand $4,000 in taxes. You, you see Cuomo and you see all these states doing everything to help the sick, ventilators, testing, and everything else. Have you seen them do anything to help the people who are not sick? Almost everybody that I know has yet to get Trump's $1,200 handout. My fiance applied for unemployment in New York three times and still has not gotten anything. We don't own a house. We don't have car payments. Now imagine family out there that spent their entire life opening up a small business and that business has been closed four, five, six weeks and they have no money coming in. And as I wrote on social media the other day, this is a fact, you could look it up. 78, I don't care if you're white, black, Republican and Democrat, but 78% of U.S. citizens, I can only speak for America because that's where I live, but 78% of U.S. citizens live paycheck to paycheck and they have no money in the bank. So now, imagine, a, remember the Dusty Rhodes promo, hard times? Hard times! Now, imagine that fucking promo and you add in there that you have all those hard times and you can't even fucking work for four, five, six weeks. You have... $2,500 in a tax bill that's coming up. You have car insurance. Let's say the car insurance average is $100 a month. I'm being cheap right now, $100 a month. You have three, four, $500 a month in groceries. You got $100 a month for a cell phone. You got $100 or so dollars a month for cable. You have money for electricity, water bill. All right, I could go on and on and on. And you realize that you have people out there, because this has gone on for six weeks, that suddenly have five, six, ten thousand dollars $10,000 in debt, and they have no credit. And now they have to put up their house. Some people that rent apartments can't afford to pay their rent. So when you get desperate like that, and you realize that everything that you worked for, now you, you know, you're running into all this debt, you get desperate. And people want to go back to work. Now, there's always going to be goofs in every state. There's going to be goofs always. There's going to be goofs in Florida. Oh, I want to go to the beach. You're going to see goofs in other states. I want to get my nails done. You know, nails, you know, to me, they're, they're too close. You know, tattoo parlors, I say to myself, how many fucking people are going to be in a tattoo parlor in one day? One, two, three people, you know what I'm saying? So that doesn't concern me all that much. But the idea that when you live at home, you own a house, you have a family, you have kids, you have all of those bills, and you getting no money whatsoever, and you're applying for unemployment for the last six weeks, and you get no response whatsoever, or if you rent an apartment, and you can't afford to give your landlord rent, the, you're, the, the landlords aren't being nice saying, okay, don't worry about this month, yeah, you don't owe me nothing, it doesn't work that way. You have insurance companies. I work do insurance for a living. I have insurance companies where they're sending letters to customers saying, look, we'll give you 60 days. You don't have to pay nothing. But after 60 days, you owe us that money. So in 60 days, you have two, three months worth of car insurance payments that you have to catch up or, you, or you're gone. 
You start adding up and you have that crazy money out there. You got to get fucking desperate sometimes. And like, I got to do something. I got to get some type of money. Plus the psychological of being stuck inside. And when you see people out there that are getting desperate, that they got to go back to work, but they'll be careful about it. And then you see a guy who's working, who has a steady income, who is deemed an essential employee, which a lot of people dispute. And he says that this is what typical Americans do. You know, he's not in a situation that a lot of people are in. Me, I'm working four jobs right now, so I don't get myself buried in debt. I'm doing my insurance. I'm doing taxes wherever I could get customers. I'm doing grocery deliveries and I'm doing stuff related to the podcasting. And that money, I'm trying to pay off bills. I, so there are a lot of people out there that are struggling. The one thing I noticed is a lot of people that were complaining about what I said, I noticed the age group. And almost everybody in that age group were young, that are either living with their family still, or they have some type of credit, some type of assistance, or live in a lot of areas where the expense isn't as much. I have said many times that when I get the opportunity and my parents are no longer here, which I hope is a very long time from now, I'm out of New York. It is too fucking expensive to live in New York. It is crazy. We'll go, the average price to rent an apartment in my neighborhood is about $1,300 a month. Now you go from working, 78% of this country lives paycheck to paycheck that has no money right now. Can't work. And Cuomo's promising unemployment, people can't get it. I swear to everybody out there, you apply for New York unemployment, you call their customer service number. It gives you options because I've tried to do it for my fiance because she was going crazy because she can't get any help. You call the number and it says if you're applying for the first time, you press this number and you stay on hold. But if you applied already, they tell you to go to the website. And when you go through all these menus and you think you're finally getting someone on the phone to check the status of an application, it says, unfortunately, we're busy with other customers. Please try later. That's it. So... When you have no money coming in and you have insurance, food, water, electricity, telephone, cable, groceries, it, it just goes on and on and on. At, a, at some point, you can't, you know, go into crazy debt. You're talking five, ten thousand $10,000 for a lot of people. And, you know, I think that Sami Zayn painted an awfully broad brush I also thought about it, and Sami Zayn probably was focusing on the people who had the dopey signs, hey, I want to get my teeth clean. I want to get my nails done. You know, in some cases, I'm not a woman, but I know some women, when they spend all day in the, in the salon, psychologically makes them feel better. I think some people out there want to do these things because they want to feel like life is back to what it was before. Me, I'm wearing a hat because I haven't gotten a haircut. I got a friend of mine, I can go over his house tomorrow and he could cut my hair. All right, I have that luxury. But, you know, for someone who owns a hairstylist and can't open for business, you know, what do you do? So there's a lot of desperation right now. And when he said what he said, it really hit me personally. But I immediately thought of my customers 
who have crazy ass debt right now and don't know what they're going to do. How am I going to come up with this money a couple of months from now? What am I going to do two months from now? I have customers canceling because they just can't afford to keep up. So, you know, some people out there really desperately need to return to work. They're not trying to get anybody sick. They're not trying to hurt anybody. They're not trying to be selfish. They just can't. Like I saw Cuomo today, and this is the first time in a very long time that Cuomo pissed me off. And Cuomo was saying, oh, you want to work? Be an essential employee. And I'm saying to myself, motherfucker, essential employees have more of a risk. Forget me. I, I, even though I'm an essential employee because I do insurance, I can keep my distance from people. But my father owns a grocery store. And they got customers, cashiers, and customers walking around in the aisles and passing people up all day long. And I pray to God that my brother doesn't get sick and others. You have people that work in a post office. How big is a post office? Post office is one aisle. So what do you do? You do six feet apart. You can only fit two customers in a post office. I went to UPS yesterday to return a box, and they only let one person in the, in, in the, the store. And they have a line going down the block. So psychologically, it gets to you too. So some people just want that psychological feeling that things are going back to normal. So when I said on Monday, look, we're not babies. We know a lot more now we didn't know before. You know, if I want to go back to work and I wear a mask and I use sanitizer and I don't sneeze or cough in anybody's faces. And if I feel sick at all, I stay home. You know, I'm not being selfish. I'm trying to pay my bills, support my family, keep my lights on, keep my mortgage payment in check, keep my house, keep my apartment. I don't want to live on the street. You see some things on the news, people are blowing their brains out because they lost everything in a matter of a month, you know? So Sammy Zane, like I said, it, it, it really offended me because I know a lot of people out there are just trying to return to work to support their family. They're not trying to be selfish and try to get anybody else sick. All right. The goofs that want to go to Fridays, you know, the goofs that want to get their nails done or they want to do, you know, some of them just never took this illness seriously, maybe because they don't know anybody that's sick. And I don't, I don't defend them at all. But to turn around and say that what's going on is typical American, that that's an insult. Because I see with my own eyes, especially in New York, what's going on over here, and it sucks. And you know, one week, two weeks, three weeks, okay. If New York was quick with their unemployment, I don't know one person that got pandemic unemployment insurance yet. None. Zero. I didn't get no $1,200 check. I only know two people that got that $1,200 check. So, I mean, we're talking six weeks already. So it gets to a point where you got to start saying to yourself, look, I got to take the risk and work and pay my bills and feed my family and take the risk of me getting sick. That's just the way it is. And, you know, I, I don't think Sami Zayn uh, is a dirtbag. I think I was just very disappointed because he's been working in the United States for 15 plus years when he does his drives for Syria. You know, Bashar al-Assad has worth $5 billion. Go on a Google search and look up the richest people in Syria and you'll read about uh, Assad's nephew and this person and they're worth billions and billions. And Sami Zayn 
still has to ask people to donate money so some people in Syria could have water. That just shows you the bullshit that goes on in other countries. Sami Zayn is doing everything he can for his country. But just because we have running water and some people in Syria don't, doesn't mean that because some people in this country, in America, that doesn't have some of the things that they need, you know, it's almost like, well, you think you have a bed? What about the people in my country, in Syria and others? You know, you can't, you just can't compare the two. And he's got a good heart. And I'm not backtracking. I just think that because of a, a couple of morons that, you know, I, look, the best way I could describe it, remember the Saudi Arabia situation with WWE, and then I'm going to let everybody go for tonight. Remember the Saudi Arabia situation, and you had all these websites reporting all this bullshit that WWE is being held against their will and all this other stuff, and you saw some of the tweets. Some of the, and what did I say that time? I said, these are just blue check marks inconvenienced. You know, oh, you have to sit at the airport for six hours. Too fucking bad. A lot of people that are checking out the show right now that don't have blue check marks have gone through that many times before. A lot of blue check marks out there can't handle being inconvenienced. The end of world, end of the world to them. They're inconvenienced. So you have blue check marks that act that way. You know, y you're like the fuck out of here. So you have some people in some of these states that don't have blue check marks, but have the same mentality. Oh my God, look at my eyebrows. I can't be seen like this. You know, this is bullshit. I can't handle this no more. I'm getting my eyebrows done and I'm going to take it. You know, there's some morons out there that think that way. Oh my God, I got to go to the beach. I got to get a drink. I got to go out with my friends. I got to get out of the house. I need to see brick and mortar stores. I got to do this. You know, some people are a little bit over the top with that, but you can't paint that broad stroke, that bro stroke, that brush, that broad. And because you got one more on here, one more on there, why didn't he rip the people in Jacksonville? The people at the beaches in Florida. He's in Florida. He had all those South Beachers. I didn't say that's typical Americans in the middle of a pandemic and they want to go party spring break. I didn't see any of that. But middle America, and because Trump supported them, then all of a sudden it's it's wrong. You know, there's a lot of desperate people out there. And when he said what he said, my take was, you got a job. You're considered an essential employee. You got a nest egg. You could do what you want to do right now. So how dare you rip all these other people that are really trying to, to get, you know, trying to survive. And that's the way it is. So, but again, at the end of the day, I don't think that he in any way, shape, or form was trying to be an asshole about it. I think he used some poor choice of words. I wish that he would have clarified it without the road dog bringing it up. But again, if I thought Sami Zayn was such a dirtbag, number one, it would have never contributed to one of his causes for Syria. Number two, I would never wish him well when he got injured. And number three, I would have ripped him on online before. You could do an advanced Twitter search for me. You could go on my website. You could see, other than some crappy storylines, you know, I have never taken this guy to task. So I don't dislike the guy. Again, I think I was more disappointed, you know, and 
in, insulting America hits a, a soft nerve with me. Just like it would for some of you that live in different countries. You know, there's a lot of people s- struggling right now. Again, think of Dusty Rhodes' Hard Times promo, or even the promo he did called The Struggle. A lot of people don't even know about his other promo called The Struggle. And then add to that all of that struggle, and you can't work. And you can't collect unemployment. You can't get nothing. And you're looking, and you have no credit. What do you do? So, um, before we go, uh, let's see. I got a, I got a request over here. Sorry about that. I almost put the wrong thing on over here. Can I rip Mike Johnson before the end of the show on a high note? Uh, what does he tell women at the bar what his career is? Well, you know, Mike Johnson has not pissed me off all that much lately, Anthony. But, you know, what what used to make me laugh back in the day, I'll leave everybody with this. And look, who am I to say? I, I'm no, you know, good-looking person myself. But I used to laugh at Dave Shearer. Um Mike Johnson, PW Insider, and a few others, and even uh, Wade Keller. And I always imagined them going to a club earlier because I, I know Mike Johnson is married. I actually met him once, and he came off as a, as a likable guy. It was that infamous match I talked about, a Jersey All-Pro homicide versus Teddy Hart, where we were sitting in the stands, me, Lowlife, Louis Ramos, and a few others, and homicide brawled like right on our row. Go back. The video's online. It's pretty cool. They were brawling right on our laps. It was fun. Um, but Mike Johnson, you know, proved to me later on that he was he was a shady guy. But uh, I used to always laugh and say, could you just picture? And you could do it now with some podcasters. You could do it now with some websites. Ringside News, that god-awful. Just picture a writer, Ringside News. And they go to like a TGI Fridays or a club or a restaurant, and they and they meet a, a, you know someone that they're interested in. It could be a guy, it could be a girl, whatever it is. And just imagine them sitting at the bar. Hey, how you doing? Hey, how's it going? Oh, what's your name? Oh, my name is Mike. Oh, yeah, my name is blah 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 blah. Uh, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm uh, and uh, wait, what was that? Oh, I, I I'm a writer. Oh, what do you write for? And I'm like, just think about like Keller and Shearer, and Johnson, and others, I'm like, could you imagine them, like, going to, like, a singles event, or eHarmony, and they talk to them, like, what do you do? Oh, yeah, I'm a journalist, so what do you write for? I mean, and again, it's sad to say, but there are a lot of writers on these wrestling websites and podcasters that if they tweet that they do some type of work long enough, you believe it. But it's it is what it is. So um Anthony's asking me, does Mike Johnson take his MMs with peanuts or plain? No, he he's married, man. I, like I said, when I met him at Jersey All Pro, um, he was a likable guy, man, but he was a snake in the grass. You know, we were trying, and you know what? Here's a good one. Rest in peace, Billy Caputo. Billy Caputo uh was a WWF referee for a short period of time in the 70s. And then he became part of the New York State Athletic Commission. I even think he did some work for WCW early on. He just died yesterday. It may have been. I don't have his age in front of me. In fact, I might. No, I, I, you know what? I, yeah, I do have his age in front of me. He died. His age was 72 years old. And you know who else died? And since, you know, I got his. Do I have his photo over here? I did. I might have put it away. Some of you might remember him. Scott Bowden. Anybody remember Scott Bowden from Memphis? 
very good friends with Jerry Lawler. He was a manager in the 80s. Eddie Gilbert, Bam Bam Bigelow, he, he took a lot from Andy Kaufman. He was only 48 years old, Scott Bowden. Um, so, yeah, he died, I think, in the last day or two as well. But, um, you know, so it's a shame. But Billy Caputo, you know, when uh, I was doing work for Frank Goodman for USA Pro Wrestling, and we were trying to get, you know, like some press online, and Mike Johnson would always bury our stuff. And then Mike Johnson was doing some work with Court Bauer and MLW, and this is when MLW had their first run. And, you know, they tried to sabotage the main event. For our show, we were supposed to have Shane Douglas versus Raven for USA Pro Wrestling in New York. I'll tell this quick story. And um, I remember MLW was doing that TV show in Florida. And it would, I forget what night it would air. And this was like, what, 15 years ago? 16 years ago? Maybe that. And um, I remember one time MLW had their show. That's when Gary Hart was in there. Instead of calling Low-Key, Low-Key, we call him Kilo. Homicide and Kilo. Remember all that for MLW? But anyway, they announced that they were having an event in Florida and the main event was going to be Shane Douglas versus somebody. Same day that we have Shane Douglas versus Raven advertised here in New York. And... Um, you know, I got, we were all flipping out. So I, I emailed Mike Johnson. I said, Mike, what? Because it was on his website too. I said, why are you advertising Shane Douglas? Shane Douglas is not wrestling for MLW that weekend. He's wrestling for USA Pro. Oh, that advertisement was made before. And I'm sorry, you know, I'm, I'll let court know and we'll take it down and sent it to court as well. And um, the next week, same fucking commercial airs. I go on PW Spyware. It might have been PWProWrestling.net. Uh, no, no, that's that's a goofy pal. It was OneWrestling.com at the time. I don't think PW Spyware, PW Insider was around yet. But the next week on MLW TV, the same fucking commercial airs again. Shane Douglas in Florida. And I email this guy, and when I go on his website, he's got the fucking commercial advertised. So they eventually pulled it down. But this motherfucker was always trying to sabotage stuff, man. Mike Johnson. And the funny thing is, I went to the big event autograph convention about a month and a half ago. It's amazing. And it feels like, you know, yesterday. It was a month and a half already. And he was there. And I walked by a few times with Mish, Wrestling Soup, and a few others. And we did not, like, put eyes on each other. At least three or four times, we walked right past each other. That little fucking troll. So um, that's why when he got schooled by Triple H on that conference call last year, that, that was that was wonderful, man. I mean, and for some people, I can't put the two together. Remember last year when uh, there was a conference call with Triple H and somebody called in and tried to confront Triple H about blood and guts and he was bringing up weapons and stuff like that. And Triple H like really embarrassed the guy. And where Triple H and people were laughing at him, that was Mike Johnson. Same guy. He was trying to play gotcha, you know. So I don't wish any ill will on him personally. But funny thing is, Billy Caputo, who was the New York worked for the New York State Athletic Commission during this time as well. Um, we had a lot of interaction with Billy Caputo, and he died I think yesterday or the day before. So, but Scott Bowden. Telling you, if you guys are into old school wrestling, 
Go look up some of Scott Bowden's work. I mean, he was never a wrestler. He was just a manager. But he did some pretty good stuff back in the day. And that's a guy that, you know, you would not normally, you know, think that would, would do anything. He actually did um, enough stuff that a lot of people were paying tribute to him. Unfortunately, a lot of places aren't going to even waste their time. But Scott Bowden, rest in peace. I think he was only 48. Billy Caputo, rest in peace. I think he was 69. So, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it, everybody. So I want to thank everybody tuning in. Anthony Diaz for the late Super Chats. Now, look, I hope everybody, you know, look, if anybody was angry with me about the Sami Zayn stuff, I'm not asking you to accept my apology, you know, but I wanted to at least explain why I went as overboard as I did on Monday and why I feel Sami Zayn was wrong in what he said. Painted too broad of a brush, man. Too many people struggling and struggling hard. And um, this, the virus enough scares people. Having this added stress, you know, some people, it puts them over the edge, man, seriously. But, uh, you know, I hope everybody understands what I said. And no way do I take back my anger. I just feel that I just went a little way over the top. Sami Zayn is not a dirtbag. You know, poor choice of words, maybe a little bit ignorant, you know, maybe basing too much on a few morons. But dirtbag, no, no. And nobody put me up to it. So, and look, some people feel that I shouldn't have apologized, but... You know, one thing you get straight up from me, you get honesty. You know, I felt that I was a little bit too harsh. That was just me. But anyway, Friday, I will be right back here for the Don Tony Show right after SmackDown, 10.05 p.m. We'll have a lot of stuff to get into. Um, we'll see what happens with SmackDown. We'll see what transpires in the next couple of days. The ratings for AEW and NXT, that is going to be interesting. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun, everybody. And I appreciate everybody who's tuning in live. I see over the last half hour, 45 minutes is quite a few more of you. And, um, you know, Hey, if you like this show, hit the like button. Cause at least it'll, uh, annoy some other people out there because the more likes, the more exposure, you just imagine some people out there to get this show as a recommendation on their wall. Like what the fuck is this? And if you like the channel, subscribe, because I think I'm less than 150 away to 10,000. Just think about that. I started this the middle of January. Never did video before. 22 and a half years of audio-only stuff. Middle of January, I launched the YouTube channel, video, and we're at the end of April. So it's less than three and a half months. We're this close to 10,000. It's amazing. And I appreciate everybody out there. I know a lot of us have major differences of opinions on a lot of things, whether it's politics, the Sami Zayn topic, AEW, NXT. But the one cool thing that I appreciate more than anything is that everybody here pretty much respects everybody else's views. You know, I don't bash anyone simply because they like this fed over this fed. You know, if I don't like something, I tell you. I don't try to put a smoke screen, you know, just to get certain likes or get tweet, you know, fucked on social media. So, but I appreciate everybody tuning in today. I have some work to do to get this online today. And please post your feedback. 
You know, tell me where I'm wrong in some of the things I talked about tonight. Once again, you know, go out of your way if you want to watch a little bit of different wrestling. Impact's Rebellion was not bad. If you're into NWA, check out the Camille package. Yeah, I think it was very well done, especially under the circumstances. A lot of old school footage of her as well. And um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. So tune in Friday night. Much love, everybody. Be well. And everybody stay safe more than anything. Please stay safe. And uh, I'll catch you all again then. So everyone, I have to get my audio queued up because you know how this show is always end. Son, oh my. It was fun to channel surf. It was kind of hard to do a little pocket pool after you hitting the last channel button 50 times for two hours plus. Son, oh my. And his whole idea of overanalyzing, oh, he's an alcoholic and he misplaced the belt. And how could you have someone champion like that? Get the fuck out of here. Wednesday night. Don, oh my. You can have fun. You really are. <laughs> I'm enrolling in Medicare soon, and it had me a little confused. Then I found MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, I could go online and compare Medicare Advantage plans from some top-rated national insurers, including $0 monthly premium plans. I could learn about plans in my area and talk with a licensed insurance agent if needed. MyHealthPolicy.com has made doing my research a whole lot easier. My choice, my Medicare, myhealthpolicy.com. New to Medicare? Start now. Go to myhealthpolicy.com to learn about some of the top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. If you're thinking about a Medicare Advantage plan, myhealthpolicy.com is a great place to go to find a plan that meets your needs. Learn more about your options. Even talk with a licensed insurance agent myhealthpolicy.com new to medicare go to myhealthpolicy.com with myhealthpolicy.com you can compare plans from some of the nation's top insurers start now to find a plan and apply online myhealthpolicy.com makes it easy to find a medicare advantage plan in your area including plans for zero dollars a month in plan premiums low out-of-pocket costs and expansive provider networks my decision my medicare myhealthpolicy.com